Good evening, travelers of the night. Once again, you find yourselves entwined in the cosmic webs of Roll for Impact, where destiny dances on the edge of a die and in every direction carries weight. I am your maestro of myths, the architect of adventures, the weaver of worlds that tantalizes and terrifies, Wesley. But you can call me Wes. Embark with us in the continuation of the next chapter of The Stranger, Midnight Whispers, an episodic actual play show where we bring together Shane as Trevor, Asteria as Dr. Glass, Ari as Esperanza, and Matt as Nihilus von Stonen. Our saga, aptly named Midnight Whispers, prepare yourself for the journey continues. Let's roll the intro. Adrian Mitchell walks through the halls with Constantine. They walk down the stairs into the lobby, passing the other guests, the art, through the lobby to a small maintenance entrance, another staircase, one that heads to the basement. Adrian turns to Constantine as they're walking. All right. <laughs> you got to show me. Look, five gold ain't nothing. And, well, is it, is it what you said it was? <laughs> Give it between us. They walk down, open up and old wooden door despite how young the hotel is it's a space that's not kept up for guests and they walk down 
a narrow stone pathway along a wall to a door. The door is shaking against the doorframe violently. And as the footsteps get closer, the shaking diminishes as if it can sense that somebody is approaching. Constantine takes out a metal rod with a forked prong on the end and an alien-looking crystal on the other end of it. The crystal glows with power. He slowly opens the door, sticking the rod in first, and you hear the violent electrocution sound echoing through the halls. And as the door opens, we see as these two from the hallway peek their head in. And Adrian, who carries his director celebrity swagger, breathes a gasp as he looks inside. Const- Constantine, that's... It's a lot bigger than you said it was. Yeah, well... Being paid well to get this thing out of here. The door shuts closed quickly. Are we safe? With that thing here? Is it gonna break open the door? It'll be fine. I come and put it out of its misery once every few hours. It's too weak to move. The door shaking is just uh, <laughs> as much as it can do. How much are you getting paid for this? Let's just say I'm... I'm retiring after this. I might invest in the mines, I don't know. The mines? Is it as lucrative as they say? They start walking back down the hall. You can still see the paleness in Adrian's face. He... He was spooked. Yeah, well... I've got a sister who... is doing pretty well. Alright. They open the door and begin to walk back up, and that's where we'll transition to where we left the party. In the office of... In the office of Harland Usher, alone, Constantine had left, and all of the other guests who saw the scuffle between Trevor and Constantine, the gun being pulled out. What would you like to do? Does Dr. Glass know much about the late wife of her patient, Arthur, who uh, his, she discovered shortly before coming here that, you know, he's an older gentleman and his wife was killed by the Van Thorns for doing too well mining on crow perch was she orcish roll history with disadvantage because i have a level of exhaustion it's been a long day <laughs> a long three days i guess <laughs> since i was knocked unconscious and shoved in that closet so here we go both okay uh 17 with disadvantage 
not bad. It's not a story that's commonly known by people of the island. Something happened here on the island. What is commonly known is the workers' revolt. You see, Crow Perch has for a long time been a mining island. Mining for broom underground, mining for, or lumbering for crow wood, mining for salt. It's all production. And there was a time, a lot like this experience of the past that you're getting to glimpse at through what seems to be the memories of others who were affected by this beast that you've encountered in the last session. It's cheery and hopeful. It's opportunistic. Everybody's coming to get their peace. But as time went on, the gap between those who succeeded and those who are simply workers has become insurmountably large. And one of the most notable events in the past was the workers' revolt, as people refused to, to pick up a pickaxe or an axe, attend the chemical plants, or do any of their work, and they revolted mostly peacefully. And that revolt was quashed very brutally by the noble families. It wasn't just the workers, though, that ended up being collateral. And knowing that her death, surrounded by others on the shores of Port Hillcrest, happened around the same time, you can only presume that while it might have been collateral damage or an accident or a casualty of a revolt, could also have been much more intentional. So a lot of people had sisters. Uh, first of all, obviously, none of us heard that conversation. Uh, there are a lot of people who had sisters who were doing well, but more importantly, Arthur's wife might well have been swept up around this time, whether or not she had anything to do with Constantine specifically. Yes, and at the time... This would be later than the time you're experiencing now. That's that's certain. Uh, Arthur's right. Arthur's not that much older than me. If he is even older than me. Maybe five to ten years after this, roughly. At the at this era and time, what you can remember, especially with a seventeen on a disadvantage, uh, what you can remember is. These were the days that Crow Perch was at its absolute peak, that Port Hillcrest was bustling, that everybody was coming to stake their claim and become wealthy. And the distinction of families and nobles was not to be seen. Gotcha. So, yeah, this is older history than what my clients would be dealing with. It's like a gold rush town in the middle of its boom, where as long as you get a piece, you can live pretty well. Exactly. Great. That was better information than what I was looking for. Uh, so thank you. And thank you, Dice. 
The dice are mimics. They say you're welcome. <laughs> all right. Uh, 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 thank you all. Uh, uh, I believe Nihilus was going to say or do something. Nihilus holds his captured testimonies veritas. He looks at this beautiful, holy textured book for a moment before he looks at the rest of the party, which they might carry a presumably confused face. So he, as his instincts want to delve deeper into this holy book, he puts it to the side for a moment and asks, there must be a reason to why this spirit, demon, beast or thing is bringing us here, conscious, all together. We should find out why. Understand it, perhaps. Why are we here? You hear from the corner, as Maggie, who's the one who's been sitting there all this time, staring at the wall blankly, starts to seem a little bit more conscious, present. How did I get here? What is the last thing you remember, Maggie? Well, I remember coming to get a employee of mine on on the fifth floor, but it didn't look like this. Did you enter? Did something happen? I don't remember. I went through the door. The el there was an elevator. There's not one here. Where are we? That ain't the question, I think. Looks around. Where isn't important. It's when, right? Out of place. Out of time. She stands up and she looks back at you. But you also don't belong here. That's what I've been saying. You're guests. But not guests of now. You see, she becomes a bit pale. What's happened? There's... There's something in the hotel, I think. That is... I don't know why it does this. It's... It, it isn't a very nice thing, Miss Maggie. I don't believe in superstitions. I... Maggie. I don't believe in superstitions. Dr. Glass is going to speak into Esper's mind and then repeat what she says into Nihilus's mind. And she's going to say... I'm not sure we can trust poor Ms. Maggie any longer, my friend. I fear that after we saw her vivisected in our world, this spirit of hers may be absorbed into the beast. You can see a bit of head nodding from Nidus, not too much. Esper's kind of distraught eyebrow crinkle worsens. And once again into Nihilus's mind, she says, as a, a holy man, do you have any way of judging such things, or 
Should we just skedaddle to an adjoining room? To that reaction, he just tilts his head a bit. He's still trying to face Maggie. You don't see much of a response on that. He's trying to keep it subtle. As he does speak to Maggie and ask, Maggie, when I was in the lobby in the reception, I heard some rumors about uh, that this place might be haunted. Now, at first instance, it would be mere superstitions, but uh, would you know more about the history of this place? Of course. It can't be haunted. It can't be haunted. It can't be haunted. I... I went to the fifth floor to find our workers. I said it can't be haunted, and I went to the fifth floor. That's what I'm getting at. And look how well you are now. So clearly nothing terrible happened to you. So don't think too hard about that. I don't belong here. And you're... I saw you check in. Right. You don't belong here either. We... We need to get out. Trevor, who's been basically uh, slouched in a chair, kind of stewing... Uh, just sort of giving little asides to himself, uh, just says, you saw us come in. We talked with you. You said we couldn't go to the fifth floor. Why is that? Well, the fifth floor is off limits. It's not renovated. It's superstitions among the employees for one but it is a danger isn't it it's why we're here who were the workers who you'd been looking for she turns to the others we hadn't seen anyone had we hmm well uh and before they can answer, she just turns back to Maggie and says, who, who were the workers you were looking for? I sent a contractor. I thought we should just renovate the fifth floor and have it over with. Vincent O'Malley, an elven man. Ah, uh, yes. Dear, I'm sorry to say, but... We believe that man has passed. He's been shown the door. Oh, Trevor. What? Well done, but... Doing what? Ouch. I was there. I saw... I saw it. The beast. It had one eye. Red... It walked, but slithered. It... He tried to... Fight it. He woke up. We woke up. We both woke up. I remember waking up. Just went black right after I saw him fighting it. And he... You're saying he... He didn't make it. No, I'm sorry, my child. You mentioned about two... You were looking for. Who is the other? It's Marda. 
She was one of the cleaners, a new one. I brought her from the salted stout when I took this job. Took it again, anyway. I don't remember seeing her. Maybe she got out. We dearly hope so. Yeah. Whatever is to happen, I think it is better for us if we all stick together. Um. I, I believe you're probably right. Did you, you found that book here, did you not, Nihilus? Uh, I, I did, yes. Um, <laughs> I suppose it is merely instinct. Well, what a coincidence, because my instincts tell me when you find a hidden magic knife in a ghost hallucination, you take it. And she gestures to Esper to produce said knife. The knife that, as far as Esper is aware in this time period, has not left her hand. So she just lifts her hand up and holds it there. Nihilus, you have an ability to... Uh, learn things about special objects, do you not? You did that with with that strange pistol. I did, yeah. Do you think that will work here? I have no idea. Let's find out, he says with a smile. Uh, Esper crosses to where Nihilus is and offers up the knife. It doesn't hurt to try. Uh, with a gentle gesture, he takes a hold of the knife. He opens up his own Testimonium Veritas, his old large textured book, might be a bit heavy on his single hand, opens it up at a particular page, but it opens up so fast, he must have spent hours and hours mastering it just to know at which page is, page is saying what, but to open it that quickly. He puts the knife in the center of it, and he puts his other hand on the bottom of the page. He's whispers a few words so silently it can barely be heard as he will cast identify on the dagger try to learn more from the item you start to delve into this item you feel through your connection to the book the coldness of the metal the composition of it the wood at the hilt now something more starts to come to you. You start to see flashes of it in use. You see it's forging as scalpels from surgery tables were thrown into a metal cast, melted down the hardened steel used to reforge this item and you see an engineer of sorts, but one tethered to the arcane, imbuing that metal in its forging process. You can tell it's sharper and will dull less quickly than the average blade. It will s cut through quite anything, even materials of a harder caliber. You see it being used by past wielders. And you hear a name uttered from echoes of the past. The Good Doctor. The Good Doctor? I suppose that's all I can get from it. 
sorry if you were hoping for more, Dr. Glass. Would there have been a doctor in this hotel? Or or maybe one that would be around these people? And do you know, Nihilus, if it's in fact from this time we're trapped in? It seems like it. I don't particularly notice anything else of the Nord. My connection to Sauer seems truthful. If if I be here for longer and I wouldn't consciously know what's happening at the moment, I would say we're, we're inside of a memory. I feel we should hasten. We have to find our way out of this place. What if we try to simply do that? We leave. We kind of know how to do that. I mean, Trevor threw that man around and it worked. Do we have to just find another one of these people and toss them? Neither. So do you mean, what if we go down the stairs and walk out the front door? Yes, exactly that. I'm assuming it won't be possible, but... Now I'm very curious. This place ain't real, right? Oh, heavens no. Lord, no. There we go. He's gonna stand up. I recognize I can be a little uh, abrasive. So, um... I'm just gonna apologize up front. He's gonna take the chair he was just sitting on. <laughs> and he's gonna try and lift it up. You can do so. I'm going to try and huck it out the window. You throw the chair violently through the window. It breaks the wood in the glass. Trevor, you're strong enough to do so without having to check for it. The, win the window smashes and the chair falls to the ground and shatters to pieces. You see people down below dodge to the side, gasp in some chatter amongst a crowd as they look up towards the window at you. Seeing the broken glass rain down like... A shining crystalline powder. Well, uh, I'm going to walk over to the now smashed window and just poke my head out. Look down at the people concerned. Just hold my hand out. Looks like we can get out. Roll a wisdom check. Not a saving throw, just a wisdom check. Okie dokie. Uh, it's a big old nine. When you look out at the ground below, you see this older version of Port Hillcrest. You see these beautiful ornate umbrellas being carried around by aristocratic people. You see carriages rolling by and older facades to the buildings around the town hall. And you see a clock being constructed in the center with complex gears and mechanisms all exposed to wooden trusses and framing around. And with a nine, you simply notice that for some reason the stature or the, the look of these people bears a familiarity. Like when you look at a picture of an old friend, but you don't remember who, what their name was. Looks down... 
It's weird. Uh, just kind of calling down uh, to the ground. Just, uh, just some renovations. Uh, keep doing. Keep on trucking. And he's going to back up. Right. Well, we can get out. Uh, people there look really fucking weird. Intriguing. We'll be... We'll be unsure of what the consequences will be to doing actions like such. So far, I think it will be a safe bet that we are free to roam as we do please. He just... No holds starts to hold and twist his mustache as he thinks. Wes, I think you said that the weird weird ass son made me feel more connected. Yes, it for some reason because nobody else feels this. It's just you. You feel a familiarity to it, like something you've known your whole life to the nexus that Avalard spoke of so very oft. Roll an insight check. Say insight. That sounds about right. Cancel out the disadvantage on this one. Yay. Well, the first roll was lower. (laughs) So, 14. 14. You recall seeing Trevor's reaction to a portrait on the wall, a picture of his friends. You recall Nihilus finding the testimonium Veritas. And now you see what you can only believe to be what resembles your nexus or feels as if it's closer or close to you. There's something happening and it's all connected. So perhaps there's just a thing here for each of us. Esper, you notice a glint when the window breaks from one of the shelves, and there you also see six vials of slow ether stacked up in a beautiful little pyramid. Esper's eyes are repeatedly almost constantly drawn to that location it looks it seems like she's trying to avoid it but she also cannot help her attention diverting back to the files does dr glass clock that 100% i wouldn't say it's subtle unless esper are you trying to hide as much as you can esper is too freaked out about this place to be subtle mhm you'd notice ah she says I see. Uh, Starting small, perhaps, but this place is trying to lull us into staying. It's offering us the things we want. I I don't think I want to stay here. No, especially not if if that is going to be what it wants to offer me first. And neither shall we, Esper. Don't worry about that. We'll get ourselves out of this trickery situation. Just have to find the right angle to it. Take care, Nihilus. That book is is your little honeypot. I wonder if I break those vials, will they just reappear? I mean, causing damage to the memory, if that's what we're going to call it, 
seems to make things go weird. Why not? Break something else. Last time it was the host. All right, uh, Mage Hand, Dr. Glass smashes the vials off the shelf. They fall to the ground and shatter. We're the worst escape room team. <laughs> Just start busting open the windows and breaking all the props. It falls to the ground and shatters. It makes a noise, and at this point, you hear a hurried footstep down the hall outside of the door heading in your direction. Moment goes by. Trevor, what did you do last time? It was Harlan, our host, whom I think is different from the other residents. Yeah, uh, as he hears the footsteps going, uh, you know, I kind of I roughed him up a bit. Um, listen, I'm not going to pretend like I know what's going on here, like I got the key to all this. Uh, I'm just experimenting just as much as you is, you know, just if, uh, you know, I can recognize when I'm not exactly the right tool for the job. You know what I'm saying? Well, I think you're a very good tool for the job, Trevor. Don't be silly. I think our options include we keep beating up that man until we get kicked out of this hallucination or whatever. And we keep beating up the beast in the real world, though we're all pretty beat up ourselves and I'm uh, low on my ability to help. I don't know if there's an alternate. I have this itch in my brain that maybe if there's a solve the mystery path as well, but that is exact. Maybe that's actually the trap that's been laid for me is uh, juicy mysteries. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, this seems like above my pay grade, so I might just be looking for an excuse not to fuck shit up. You're not fired anymore, Trevor. I'll give you a raise. I, I mean, Trevor, the, the man that you beat up, he's hes not alive anymore in real time, so... It, no, I know that. I know that. It takes away having to feel bad. I, I get that. And beating him up beating him up gave us results fine if you want me to do it so badly I'll go and kick his ass again are we in any shape to then kick the ass of, of that real life well <sighs> I'm not a fighter I, I don't think I could help speaking of you are being a great help just as you are Maggie Um, please don't forget that when we went back it seemed that time had continued to move and right. it was doing things that's what I'm saying right we gotta get out of here quick like because we don't know what's going on in there and who's getting ate the door bursts open as the footsteps have approached and you see Constantine look through I heard that you were causing more ruckus I wanted to check on you I bumped into the shelf and they f they they fell. And did you bump into the chair as well? I tripped on the chair and that made me bump into the shelf. Roll deception with disadvantage. Disadvantage? They're just drugs lying around. That is ten. Tripped on the chair. Gotcha. Look, I would like if you're going to 
be a bit chaotic, you did so outside. Not in Mr. Usher's room. I'm, I'm sorry. Of course. Apologies. Let us say our apologies as well to dear uh, Usher himself, if you don't mind. Where is the man? Mr. Harland Usher is not available at the moment. Oh, sorry to hear that. Uh, of course, we will uh, pay and recompensate for any damages. Uh, please, is there uh, some place where we could uh, reach him, let him know, perhaps leave a letter at his... I can take a message for you. Very well. Um, we will do exactly that. Of course, he knows our room number. Of course. I could tell him to find you at his earliest convenience. Would that be okay? Of course. It seems like he has rushed off rather quickly then. He was just here a few moments ago. He was looking for a doctor. Doctor, oh my! Yeah, uh, one of our guests. Yes. Um, is there something we can help with? And he points to himself and Doctor Glass. No, no, no need. We have a doctor who's staying with us, Mister Beering. I'm sure Mister Usher will be taken care of just fine. Please, it's the least we can do. Please send Doctor Beering my uh, regards as, you know, as a colleague. Oh. I'll be sure to let him know that there is another doctor here as well. Um, as far as Mr. Usher, once he's free, I'm sure he'll come find you. I think he felt a little taken aback by the last interaction, and he doesn't want to disrupt your stay as he believes that his presence has upset you. He looks over towards Trevor, and you notice that He's standing with the door cracked open just a bit. His head peeks around, but he obscures his body with the door. Right. Uh, yeah, no, I don't know what, what, uh, what came over me. Uh, you know, just, um, it, it was a long journey getting here, you, you know, and I'm, I, my, my head it ain't where it's supposed to be at. Uh, I apologize for, uh, for disturbing your your work, uh, you want to send like a cleaning lady up here to to deal with this glass and stuff. Um, I can help out in any way. Uh, you know, I I, mean, I ain't good at much, but I I can move stuff. So if you need help, uh, she'll attest to that. Pointing over to Doctor Glass. Well, I uh, I'll keep that in mind. Uh, you know, I I would love a hand at some point. It doesn't have to be now, but I left some things in the basement. Quite heavy, hard to bring to the room. Wouldn't be able to handle it on my own. Maybe you and I can go pick them up later. I don't know if this is an insight check, but this is just like the first thing popped in my head. Uh... Is this guy bringing me down to the basement to put a bullet in the back of my head? Go ahead and roll insight. Is there any way Dr. Glass can, like, because she is wondering the same thing, can she, like, give Trevor a look that gives him the help action on that? I would say insight is not a help action item. That's but fair. I typically will allow two people to try something before it is just immediately failable. 
So if you'd like to also roll insight on your own, you could do so. All right, thank you. As as he's uh, kind of saying, like Constantine is telling him this, he's kind of like absentmindedly fiddling with the band on his finger, uh, the wedding band. Uh, I'm going to utilize uh, the band of the betrothed for this and uh, roll with advantage. Uh, okay, you can do this. Okay, well, it's not a nat one, so that's good. A modified 20. Better than my nine. You begin to feel a subtle warmth coming from the band. It warms your finger, and you know that when this happens, these are during moments where you ought feel a bit doubtful about what somebody's saying to you. Looking over Constantine, just giving him a once-over, is he wearing the pistol somewhere on his person, or is it concealed? You notice the portion of him that's visible through the doorway also includes the holster on the left side of his hip. The holster is empty. I mean, I suppose it's the least I can do, right? Yeah, just, I mean, doesn't have to be right away again. Uh, if you're willing to help, though, I'd appreciate it. Sure, sure, I can do that. Just gonna slowly start to take a, a few steps forward. Kinda looks over to the doctor, be like, "I'm gonna hang out with Constantine. You know, we're gonna be uh, good friends." He pushes the door all the way open, and there you see as he reveals in his other hand he was holding the pistol behind it, and he holsters it in front of you. I apologize, I didn't know if you would be violent, so I just wanted to be careful. Shall we? As for the rest of you, I just thought you should know that Mr. Mitchell, Eliza, and, uh, Mr. Gregory, they're going to be making their final preparations for the gala. And if you'd like, you can join them. All right. And uh, if Dr. Buring is indisposed, I, I hope you'll have him send me his, his card that I might call upon him at another time. Well, I, I will certainly ask. I... I don't have a card of his as he straightens his vest and gets ready to walk down the hallway. Dr. Glass does whip out her healer's kit and starts patching up Nihilus and uh, Esper, which she probably should have done earlier. Hmm. So you can patch them up, but as far as your actual character sheets, it will not affect your health outside of this place. Okay. Hmm. I I want to follow Trevor. I'm I'm worried for him. Nothing to be worried about, but you can join. I'd feel look, I feel uncomfortable if all of you did. It's one of me. And we saw what happened last time. Right? Yes, but 
it's not so great to go alone like, with a stranger nice as nice as you are yeah come along i'm just saying let's not bring the whole gang i would feel uncomfortable i i understand esper will walk to the front of the room stay behind trevor but um she's she's not letting him go alone so we will see you two in just a moment uh we just have to uh, tidy up for we'll be right with you and while you're chatting, Esper and Trevor, you'll be heading down the hall into the stairs with Mr. Constantine. Mm-hmm. How Nance would react to that as he first starts to talk and automatically the words start to be used and transferred through his mind as his lips continue to speak. And then suddenly after a few moments of him realizing it as well, his Lips stop to speak while you two continue to communicate. He says, So I have a theory. At first location, upon our first entrance, it was clear in hindsight that uh, in order to escape from this memory, dream, whatever it is that is keeping our real bodies paralyzed, um, that it was hidden inside of the host. Now, on, upon second return, I had my doubts it would be the same escape time. But seemingly now that there are challenges interfering between the location of our souls and the host of uh, Sir Harland Usher, I do have a theory that it would be the same solution, because there are now challenges in place. Uh, too complex for that, I suppose that in order for us to get back to reality, uh, we would have to once again find this Sir Harland Usher and then break this dream or whatnot. It seems that he himself is the key. Why? I'm not sure. I would love to find out, but I feel like we should make proper haste. Do you concur? I do concur, and I wonder even if Harland's proximity to us corresponds with the beast's proximity to us. Meaning... Is he not here because the beast physically moved? Are they in the same place? There are many questions which I'm unable to answer at this moment. I'm glad you concur. Uh, with that, then perhaps the answer is in my hand all along. As he pulls up for visibility is the new testimony in Veritas, which was in the possession of Harland Usher. And he pulls out for the first time uh, a magnifying glass. Now, at the first instance, it just look, might look like any ordinary magnifying glass, but as you see on a closer look, it is a meticulously crafted piece encased in an ornate frame made of delicate alloy. It is like a holy cross formed specifically for an inquisitor. He takes this magnifying glass and he really inspects and tries to understand this new testimony veritas in the possession of Harland Usher. And with that understanding, with that inspection, with the use of this item and this particularly connection of its previous owner, he will cast Locate Creature. If he can, he will try. Yes, and remind me, is there a check on your end or on my end for the locate creature? There, there is a check for Nihilus. This would be a DC 13 plus the number of days since the last contact has occurred 
with its previous owner of which he's trying to inspect. This is a particular magical item that is clear on Dr. Glass's eyes. It's a DC 13. For a total of 12. You investigate this book, and as you look at it, you see the radiant colors that signify its last interaction with its last owner. Now, there's something about it, something strange. You see the finger marks, the hand marks, where it was last held. You see the footsteps that were leading out of the room, but they begin to trail into nothing. But as you notice that, you also notice something else. This book, it's the same that you have, except in its original form, when you first received it, not marked up at all. It is the same book, and you know that. You know because you've touched it, you've felt it. You know each crevice, each small embellishment. This a wave of emotion going on on Nihilus's face. He's so busy trying to understand this testimonium veritas that he thought he had the solution at hand, but then he realizes step by step that this is not just a testimony veritas. This is his testimony veritas. And he opens up the book, presumably, I'm sure as well, that the, the pages, although they might feel different, they act exactly the same, which shouldn't be every copy should be unique and yet it isn't there's a blank face Nihilus as you can clearly see that <laughs> he's in a blank mind and he says oh well I suppose that's why it was only a theory but I think this one is fine what it will be uh, it's it's showing a path, but I'm not sure where it will lead. I think it is just back to me. I'm not sure. I'm sorry. I... Damn it, there's things in our heads. Hmm. I suppose I need to resolve my faith to Saurus deeper, as I have much to learn. And he pockets the Inquisitor's magnifying glass. Uh, magnifying lens and he kind of looks back to Dr. Class with a pale face any thoughts? any ideas? well my next idea is to search Constantine's room while he's occupied I beeline for the magic item but now that I'm suspicious of him there might just be non-magic clues in there hmm very well, let's have a look through his room. And after that, Constantine was sort of nudging us towards the film folk eavesdrop on their drama. Yes, we should. No pun intended? Was that a pun? Well, let's go. Sorry. <laughs> Trevor and Esper, you head down the stairs and to the lobby and to what looks to be a maintenance room to an old staircase. To an old door 
to an old cobblestone hallway in the basement. He walks ahead of you, leading the way. Yeah, it's just right down here. Sweet. Gets down to the second door. Goes over to it. Just in this way, uh, let me get a cart. And he walks over towards just past the door to pull a little trolley that might help move this crate that he's asking about. And he grabs it. Alright, after you. Holding the cart. Waiting for you to enter the room. Uh, you just need me to move it in there? No, no. The, the crates that I need to bring up. At least the one. It's, it's in that room over there. I've got the cart. Mind opening the door for me? I mean... Esper will slip forward and both hands on the door, pull at it slowly, and and trying to kind of peek around the corner of the door to see inside as she does. Roll perception. (laughs) Three. The room is old. It has cobwebs on the ceiling. The cobblestone continues from the hallway, and there are crates stacked up in each corner. Some of them have little labels on them, one red that says flat fragile, one yellow that says caution. He says, um, it's uh, the one with the red label. Uh, I've got some glassware. Needs to come up. Uh, oh, all right. Dark as shit in there. Uh, sure. Um, he's going to s- slowly take a uh, few steps into the room. Uh, and right before he like crosses the threshold... Uh, he just kind of tilts his head and turns back around uh, to Constantine. I think we got off on the wrong foot. Yeah? Why do you say that? I mean, I, I get it, but why all of a sudden? I don't know. I, back where I'm from, it, it's customary to, you know, you're a community when you work together. You know, I, I never really felt that for majority. And, and, you know, when I meet someone new and they start ordering me around, I, I get a bristle, you know? So, yeah. Uh, Roll persuasion, please. <laughs> Let's try it. Thirteen? Yeah, I, I get it. Hey, um, one second, uh, can you have your friend step out? What was your name? Uh, she doesn't say anything, but the way that she looks up at him is so clearly perturbed and uncomfortable, and it lingers there for a moment before she looks to, to Trevor for confirmation for any sign. Hurry up and get out into the hall, come on. Now. Hey, hey, hey. Come on. Ain't no way to treat a guest, right? Get her out of there. Listen, Esper ain't done nothing wrong. What? Why why do you need me out so badly? He goes over towards the door and dons a very serious expression, almost pushing past Trevor as he reaches by to the doorknob. What's in that room? Trying to reach around him. He's going to try to close the door. Is he trying to close it on me, or...? Well, you're standing in the doorway, so he's trying to pull you out and close the door quickly. 
you see as he's looking towards Esper. Hey, we're, we're just having a conversation, man. Uh, he's gonna try and, like, interpose himself. There's a crash from behind one of the boxes as a disgusting, one-eyed beast, young, legs slithering on the floor exactly like the one you've seen previously. As it crashes out from behind the crates and lunges towards Esper, please roll initiative. Shit. Almost like instinctively, uh, he calls out, Esper, get his gun. He looks towards you. What are you doing? I'm trying to save you. And he's going to try to contest you. Please give me your initiative rolls and roll athletics, Trevor, for the surprise round. 16 for initiative. Also, uh, other question. Was the dagger given back to Esper after the identification? That would be absolutely up to her. If it was offered, she would take it. I would say so. It's uh, Unless we specified that Nihilus was keeping it. Got it. Okay, alright. Esper has a dagger on her. For initiative, I rolled a 16. The athletics is 20. A modified 20. Uh, what is Trevor's dexterity modifier? Uh, plus two. Alright, you first. He reaches past you to try to slam the door shut. You push back at him as he takes his hand and he, like presses it against your face. Not in like a not in the way that he's looking to hurt you, but he's trying to like get you awkwardly out of the way to reach past as quickly as he can and grab the doorknob and it's such an awkward position. He's somehow able to force his way by you, grabbing onto the door and slamming it shut. He looks back. She's dead. Don't open it. She's dead, man. And with that, Trevor, it's your turn. Uh, at this point... Hmm. Okay. So, paint me a picture here. It's... I'm in front of Constantine, who's just interposed between uh, myself and the door, who shut Esper in the room. Yes, he shut Esper in the room to push his way past you towards the door and slam it shut. Wrong. You made the wrong choice here. Look, I, I changed my mind, alright? I just. But there's nothing you can do. This thing is a monster. Open that door right now. She's dead. Just. Consider her dead, and he is going to keep trying to push his way. It's your turn. You'd have to contest athletics. I'm I'm debating whether or not I go for a grapple, or I just try and knock his lights out, but I don't think that's going to work. Hmm. Here's, here's a question. His gun is holstered at his side. Can I try and go for his gun? That would be... Sleight of hand... Or athletics, it would still be contested. You can tell he is a strong man, like he is bulky and big. And you might even be able to piece together at this point the scars on his arms that you saw. Okay. In that case, objective one is getting Esper out of there. So he is going to try and do kind of a wrestling style, like double leg to lift him up off the ground and try and throw him behind him to try and get past. Uh, I, mechanically speaking, he's going for a grapple. 
Roll athletics. Oh, that's not good. That's a seven. He has a 13. As you reach in, now at this point, you're pushing each other awkwardly. He still has his hand on your face, pressing you away. You go in with your arms to try to grab him, and he just keeps that slightly longer arm reach to keep you awkwardly unable to use your full strength. He continues, There's nothing you can do. If you open this door, we're all dead. Esper. The door was just slammed shut. The room has gotten darker, though there is a small window, too small to fit through, but it casts just one ray of light across. The ray is about ten feet in front of you, and in the darkness you see a slimy, wretched foot step into that light beam followed by the rest of this creature, it's one eye looking at you. You can almost tell it recognizes you well. It's your turn. Esper has gone rigid for the first moment of hearing the door shut. And it's the muffled sound of whatever Trevor is trying to do behind the door and uh, Constantine trying to tell him to stop hearing that Constantine thinks that she is all but dead as she's watching the creature look at her and somehow pings that recognition that it has for her her shoulders are going to rise a bit she's going to take a deep deep breath as her knuckles go white gripping the dagger that she has on her no. You're not gonna take me. You are not going to have me here. She is choosing, instead of attempting flight, that she is going to fight. And, uh, essentially, bonus action, we are going to rage again. In this rage, um, don't mark it off on your character sheet. Okay. Esper knows exactly where she wants to go, so she is going to attempt to stab it right in that smarmy fucking eye. Roll to hit. Lunging forward. That is a dirty 20. Roll damage. For seven damage. You strike this creature's eye directly, right into the center. You see this black ooze seeping out. It immediately looks like it's starting to heal around your blade, and as you pull it out, you do see done damage. However, it still continues to look at you, prowl in your direction. Now it's right up in front of you, and its maw in front starts to open. Are you doing anything else? Esper's fight response is not at its strongest. And the amount of fear in her wants to try and override. And that fear is going to have her arm in a moment of muscle just behaving on its own, react, pull back, and try and go for a second strike. She is going to use borrowed time. Okay. That you will mark off on your character sheet. All right. 
24. That hits. Roll damage. Six damage. Again, you strike around the same spot, piercing a second time just inches to the right of your first strike. The eye is bleeding this black ooze profusely. The beast seems almost unable to see. It squints with its one eye towards you, and you hear the wretched screech, and through the door, Trevor, you hear... Trevor? I'm coming. Is there any room for movement? You can move. The room is about 15 feet. Esper is going to try and skirt around it, not necessarily trying to get out of its um, melee zone, you know, just kind of get towards its backside. You're not leaving its radius, right? I am not. Okay. The beast, seeing you go around, it turns its massive head along with its body, one after the other as it tracks you like a predator. And it's going to lunge back, trying to scrape at your body, its maw trying to bite down on you. That's a 19 to hit, followed by a 22 to hit. I think that hits. You take 17 points of psychic damage Uh on your character sheet as it strikes at you and what you experience is the maw biting down onto your body. You feel its teeth like spikes starting to dig into your flesh as it starts to tear away. The pain is excruciating. It doesn't feel like blades or teeth though. You feel that pain run through this body of yours but straight to your head. You feel as if a headache but a thousand times stronger than you've ever felt before starts to pierce at your scalp. I... The beast is then going to start to encircle you as well, like a predator on the hunt. I think Trevor's going to hear some sort of, like, stuttering noise that's far more quiet than the beast. But it's also just weird, because the pain was weird, and it's hard for Esper to properly vocalize it with that the man by the door goes for his revolver unclasps it and points it towards you trevor quickly like that of a a fairly well-trained mercenary an outlaw a gunslinger this is the kind of movement that you don't see often but you can only imagine from stories of old stay there She's dead. You heard me. You don't want to be, and I don't want to be. Right now, just calling also behind Constantine, just, Esper, get that door open now! Trevor, it's your turn. He's held his action. He's going to make a lunge, and he's going to just try and get him out of the way so he can try and get the door open. An 11 to hit doesn't hit. I don't even have to use deflect missiles. You lunge forward and striking his hand out of the way just in time, the gun goes off, striking the wall, crumbling some of that cobblestone dust onto the floor as it fires and he misses. What do you do? Well, hopefully he's used his reaction. Is is there any way for me to 
Like, he is blocking the door. If I'm going to open the door, I gotta move him, right? He's actively kind of pushing against you. He's, it's a contested athletic still, as if it's a grapple. You'd have yeah. to beat him out with an athletics check or some other way. Yeah, that's gonna have to be the way. Uh, I don't have any more of my tricks left, unless in the dream world I have all my key points back, but I doubt it. You could use key points. Mm, interesting. Uh, in that case, uh, I'm going to try and just, uh, first I'm going to try and, uh, do a shove attack to try and get him out of the way, uh, as my action. Uh, so I'll, I'll roll, uh, athletics. I need something, man. Come on. That's a 14, uh, for the athletics. You shove him. His shoulder strikes the wall, he loses balance, and he's pushed five feet away from you, stumbling back towards the other door to the other room. He catches himself against the wall. Don't do it! You're gonna kill us all! And he's going to go and attempt to open up the door. Uh, would that... Question, What is it an action to try and open the door, or would that just be part of my movement? I would say the door isn't locked. It's not even latched fairly well. You can push it open if you like as a free action. Just kick open the door. Uh, and looking at what I'm seeing now, I just go, this is your chance. Esper, go! Uh, he's going to charge in, uh, try and get uh, in striking distance of the creature. And he's just going to get into a ready stance. Just say, come on, you ugly fuck! Uh, and he's going to use his bonus action to use patient defense. And is just going to take the dodge action as a bonus action. And he's just going to try and distract and see if he can't get uh, Esper out of there. And that's going to be his turn. The creature turns as... Esper, it's your turn. Um, phew. Esper, wobbling on her legs, is going to move to stand up, and she's going to try then to stab upwards into the creature. Quickly. Roll to hit. Thirteen. A thirteen does not hit. You strike upward, deflecting off of these young spry scales on its body which seem metal hard the sound clangs against its hide um i also have a quick correction to make um could you please add four damage onto what i had initially done because i'm trying to keep track of my rage damage yes done all right now esper is going to move around it again and make a beeline for the door and esper has the mobile feet whether I hit or not, once I make an attack roll against a creature, it cannot make an opportunity attack against me. Deflecting your dagger, it's still an incredibly hard hit. It vibrates this creature's entire skeletal system, its, its innards, and it almost looks stunned just for that millisecond, and you're out of its range before it can do anything. Stumbling, sprinting as best she can, she practically falls out on the other side of the door. As you fall out of the, on the other side of the door, you see Constantine holding the gun, 
leaning against the wall, wiping some blood from under his nose, and he's pointing it at you. Just close the door. Just close it. Uh, And with that, the beast turns towards Trevor and goes to try to whip first with its tail on the spin, followed by a bite with its black maw of daggers with a, a 14 to hit, followed by a 15 to hit. 14 just barely hits. Meets it, beats it. Oh. All right. Um, 11 points of psychic damage as the creature lunges forward. As, does the health carry over from the waking world? It does. I'm out. Wait. As soon as there's a bite, he his eyes go a little blurry. And he feels himself starting to lose consciousness. And just his eyesight starts to go red. And he just starts to scream out in pain. Pain's just a message. A message you can elect to ignore. And he just screams out in pain, grabbing onto him. Using relentless endurance, he goes back up to one HP, and he's still standing. The creature, tearing through your flesh, almost completely ravaging you. You feel, although you see your body just being ripped apart here, and almost, you almost feel like you can see inside. You also can tell it's all an illusion, but that pain transfers to your head. You feel it piercing. But you stand as this creature ends its turn. Constantine is going to go try to shove Esper. Contested athletics. Contested athletics it is. It's going to be a 15. A 15. Oh, I'm sorry. Hang on. I'm raging. I have advantage anyway. Natural. Natural 20. Natural, natural. Well, there you go. There you go. Uh, he goes to shove you, and you push him back with such fervor. Just as he goes to strike, you knock him to the ground, prone in front of you. That's his turn. Trevor, it's your turn. The beast looks ravenous. You see the black ooze from its eye. It looks like it's closed the wound a little bit, but that was a lot of damage that Esper managed to do. It growls at you. He's breathing in, uh, sputtering. You see as he's coughing, the same black ichor that covered him with the bite is starting to ooze down his chest and out of his mouth with every coughing breath. We... We gotta go. He is going to use a key point to use Step of the Wind and disengages a bonus action. He is going to step out. And here's a question. Uh, I still have my main action. Uh, Constantine is currently prone outside the door. Can I try and shove him in? Yes. Contested athletics. One more time. Come on. I need over a 10. Right. That's a 17. Ooh. You run to the door and you see him on the floor. 
how are you trying to shove him him in basically as he's on all fours uh lying prone before me basically what he does is instinctively like he is running purely on instinct right now he is a sneeze away from death uh he's going to diving down he is going to grab him around the waist what are you doing wait just with a huge effort just is going to fucking throw him over his head into the room he tumbles over your head falling onto the ground inside of the room and as a free action if you would like you can close the door what are you doing i'm doing legend closes the door and just tries to brace up against it no 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 and you hear screams, wretched pa- screams of pain coming from behind the door. And then silence. Combat is over. We gotta go. Frick! You good? Are you okay? No. <laughs> but. But I'm alive. <laughs> right. Mom, he's gonna uh, raise, yeah. his, uh, offer his hand over to them. We gotta go find the rest. We're getting out of here. You go towards the door, moving hastily, and as you do so, Nihilus and Doctor Glass, you enter in to the master suite, sitting at one of the chairs in the front. You see Eliza Montgomery with her pocket mirror preparing her makeup. She looks stunning. Her dress, white, beautiful, and ornate. Classic. Like you could imagine it in a vintage magazine poster. And sitting on the other end, reading a newspaper, but you can see glances being stolen, is Adrian Mitchell, the director. Those are the two that you see. Flirty glances. Of course. Into uh, Nihilus's mind, hmm. Dr. Glass says, You can't do it now, I know, but I'd still love you to get your mystical mitts on that mirror as well, just to let me know what its deal is. It's driving me a bit crazy. And Wes, we're... so. The master suite, this is where I found the knife, or...? This is the room that you arrived in. Now, if you look at the map, you'll see there's those two tables in the middle, the main hall of this room. Ah. To the left is where you see Nihilus in the real world, where he left off. Um, that's the room where you found Constantine originally, and where the knife was. And the two of them are sitting at those grand tables in the center of this suite. Adrian looks over at you, almost surprised and flustered. Hey, oh, nice to see you again. (laughs) Don't mind me. (laughs) How could I possibly mind you, uh, Mm. Mr. Mitchell? 
and into Niles' mind once more, points her elbow towards Constantine's room, and she says, how about I chat them up to distract them and you poke around? You seem like you have a keen eye for detail. In his mind, he, uh, he tries to say about still getting a bit used to this kind of telepathy, although quite useful. Uh, yes, that sounds like quite a splendid plan. I'm not up for feeling of what chatter in the past memory without getting the real blood. These are not my people of particular interest at the current moment, it would seem. A splendid idea. And out of character, uh, it is definitely a creepy experience to talk to her mentally. The ability is called subsume thoughts, and I think the first time you spoke back to her when you started out loud, it was like you spoke out loud and then you looked into her eyes and it was like she sucked the thoughts from your mouth into her mind, almost. Like she, she has those startling green gray eyes and then suddenly like you heard your voice in her mind so it's a it's a bit of like a, a vacuum experience to talk to her mentally the words on the tip of your tongue but then sucked out you can quite easily tell that nihilus is not or at least not yet comfortable uh, with uh, with that form of communication although not exactly unused to it as well. You can see that he has hmm. some sort of experience with telepathical communication. Perhaps this is something that is a study of one of the priests. There's many things or many tasks uh, during the studies or perhaps something else. Still, he's not yet that comfortable. But he nods yeah. <laughs> and he will try to look for an opening uh, to go to the room uh, unseemly or uneventful. And she clack, clacks, you know, she makes the cane as loud as possible and finds the spot to sit that would most draw both of their attention away from the door. In which this is Constantine's room you're entering, right? Correct. Okay. You sit on the opposite side of the door, so their eyes would have to be drawn in the other direction. And you see it almost as Adrian looks disappointed Oh, yeah, of course. Just come along and join us. That's fine. Well, it's not every day someone like me gets to uh, sit back and chat with film stars of your caliber. I just prefer... I prefer people think of me like every other person. But, yes, we've had a lot of recent success. I appreciate the compliment. Eliza turns and... Much more to come, I suspect. Well, if I should treat you like everyday people, then tell me, are you two an item? And she just launches into what she hopes is a very startling, invasive line of questioning to really distract them. Darling, the tabloids haven't caught up yet, so please keep it between us. But if it's not obvious already, then I'm not sure... And as this conversation goes on, Nihilus, you make your way towards the door. Please roll stealth. Low DC. For a total of 19. You silently make your way to the door, making sure that when you open it, it doesn't make a sound. And it doesn't. You step inside. 
You can tell by the way how he walks with his long robes seen formerly by other priests. They learn how to walk in a more quiet manner as if uh, they are hovering towards a certain location instead of actually walking. It is the difference in footsteps that they do uh, churches in order to try to not to interrupt. He tries to reenact those exact same paces in clearly a successful manner as he enters the room. You enter the room, and you see it's much more humble than the rest of the rooms in this suite. You notice there's a suitcase, trunk, at the side of the bed, open, propped with clothing inside. The clothing, that not of an aristocrat, that of a mercenary. You see leather bindings, armor. You notice a metal rod against the wall with a forked pronged fork at the end and a slightly glowing crystal on the other side. Definitely something that's powered. In this era, very rare, being this long ago. Inside the room, you also see on the desk a business card for a certain Dr. Samuel Buring. Mm-hmm. Don't believe the name comes to a particular mind. That's how it does. Well, Samuel doesn't. Buring does. I believe that's one of the doctors I heard Hesper talk about. Interesting. Um, let's. What do we have here? Would you roll an intelligence check really quick? You will. As he intuitively talks to himself and he tries to get a better understanding of the items and he tries to make a story up in his own mind to try to see what kind of clothing represents the tasks that are for this particular mercenary he does travel himself quite a lot but not uh, as a mercenary so I suppose he's not that experienced in it and for an intelligence a total of 13 a 13 and in history is an intelligence modifier, right? Uh, would you add your history modifier if if uh, it's more than zero? It is. Uh, so it would be his proficiency bonus, so an extra plus two for a total of 15. You recall a an article from the Empire of Kieranstone, from the news articles and tabloids and one that recounted interesting facts. Every time this paper would come out, they tell a story. One from the past, speculations about the future. And this was a story recounting the tragic events at the Whaler. And you recount, thinking back, that there was a time that the Whaler was shut down temporarily for a major renovation. There was a fire among other mysterious circumstances and it wasn't ever thoroughly investigated. But the tabloid, the paper, managed to get its hands on some things that were found post-accident. And among them, a pronged metal poker and a business card. Those two items, you recall, seeing a 
painting, a depiction of when you read that article? When he thinks back to it, did the article state as to why those items would be connected to it? Many people passed in this event, a huge portion of its guests, and an immediate shutdown of the production Midnight Whispers. And they are just the few things that the outside world was able to see. They were found not by crow perch municipalities or they, they were brought back from some few survivors and or and or found in the rubble of what was left of the Whaler Hotel. Oh, it's a fickle thing how the mind works. I had all the facts inside of me all along, Aldo. So, we are clearly in the past, but I think this Sir Constantine can be a coincidence that particular these items must have been found. He tries to take a step closer and to inspect this rod item thing tries to get an understanding of it inspects it you wouldn't need to roll investigation you're fairly good at that and looking it over you can see it's an electrically powered device crude you're from a time where electric energy is used in conjunction with magic to make quite interesting things all artisanally uniquely it's honestly an era of innovation anywhere that's not a mining town. Um, and even the mining town probably feels that innovation. This must have been far ahead of its time, but clearly a jagged edged sunstone had been used to create a spark on the other end. You see a small lever on the side that can be pulled to power it. And just judging by its make, you can do so. And when you pull that lever, you hear a spark and put it back in its place. Hmm. Now, he's not that familiar with many works, but he is familiar with the work of a sunstone. Although it is a fairly new experience that he brings himself. With that in mind, he thinks he will get a better understanding of it, and he will take a hold of his holy cross, the one in the shape of a tree symbolizing the life that should be sought out in all. Uh, and he will cast as a ritual, which he will forgo at a time through one of his features as a scribe's wizard to instantly cast it, uh, to cast detect magic. You notice the sunstone. It glows. Sunstones inherently have some magical energy to them. It converts to a charge. It's one of the few elements that have practical use besides those who have some meager connection to powers beyond. In this world, magic is not so common, but it does exist. Sunstones are probably the most ubiquitous form of its usage. Besides that, some cables on the inside of this metal rod seem to be channeling that energy towards the other end. It has some magical properties, but clearly they come from the sunstone, and it's not 
the mechanical components that do much of anything. It's the usage. Clearly, it would represent a benefactor or a rich history or clear something as to why a person of his stature would acquire an item, especially in a time like this, would be a rare, rare occurrence. Uh, with the detect magic active, he continues to have a look around, see if his deity will show him others, other things that might be of interest. Within your range, you'll notice the pocket mirror from behind the wall seems to ping in your vicinity. But besides the sunstone, nothing else of tremendous magical importance seems to present itself. However, you do recognize the silhouette of a knife scurrying behind the walls in the hallway as Esper, you and Trevor run towards the front door of the suite, open it quickly, startlingly even. My! You hear Adrian. And Dr. Glass, you see as Esper and Trevor enter looking very worse for wear. What I miss? Hello again. What did you miss? What did we miss? What barely missed you? <laughs> All right, it, you need to lie down. We're, we're com I'm commandeering that room and she just ushers them into Constantine's room. Darlings, you barely look presentable. Glad you noticed. Doctor. The thing. It's here. Down. That basement. Yeah, she gets them into Constantine's room and shuts the door so uh, the film folks don't hear them. It's... It's in the basement. I got it... I got it a little bit, but... I watched... I saw that it started... To heal. Right away. Does Nihilus fill us in on his findings? Um, he doesn't, actually. Not yet. He's a bit mortified at the moment as he tries to get a better understanding of the situation. You can read his face quite easily on that. Uh, he says out loud, Oh dear, but what happened to it? Where is it now? Did you kill it? Fucking asshole. He tried... Constantine? He That's the one. Pushed me in. And he tried to keep the door shut and he knew it was in there. And I was in there with it. And... He ain't gonna be a problem anymore. <laughs> and empty creature? In the room. So it's it's been here in the hotel for... An incredibly long amount of time. You know what? You know what is the really unsettling part about the whole thing? We're we're in the past, right? Right. When it came around the corner and it saw me, it looked at me and it knew me. Shit! It must be connected. An important thing for us to remember, I think, is that we're not really in the past. We haven't traveled to the past. We, this is all 
mental that the creatures trapped us in a memory mm-hmm. of the past. Clearly we now know its own past. It seems from what you're all saying that this whole thing began because Constantine, for some reason, brought the creature we faced into this hotel. You notice as the bookshelves in the room seem to be filled with your old textbooks, Dr. Glass. And it's learning us more and more the longer we're here. It started with a, a crumb from each of us and it's learning our minds and our own memories. It's perhaps feeding off of them. Perhaps that's what it wants. Perhaps it wants memories. Wait, I found this. And he takes a hold of a musket or the rod. Yeah. Wes, is the rod basically a cattle prod? Basically, yeah. It's just an electrical shocker. Mm-hmm. Uh, perhaps that's what Constantine used to control the creature. Exactly. It seems to be powered by a sunstone, and he tries to show it uh, its use. So is it out of juice? No, in fact, it, it does glow with some radiant power. You recognize a sunstone, but this one, it's not polished, you know, well-manufactured. It's crude. It looks like a mined piece of earth crystal that's been used in this novel way in this era. Perhaps this is its weak- weakness. That's how Constantine could draw it then, if he was keeping it as a pet? No, that doesn't seem right. Why wouldn't he have it with him? I don't know. Well, I tried the dagger. I mean, it worked as a dagger, but it didn't do anything special. <laughs> well, you, you attacked it. Did, 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 how do I describe it? Did the room shake around you? Remember last time when... We confronted the host. The reality itself seemed to crumble. Did it happen again? Did Esper notice anything of that sort? No. You fought this thing, and you felt the 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 pull of the meat and flesh of this beast as you struck it. You heard the screeches that sounded all too similar to those you heard when you were outside of this place in the room you started from. But the walls didn't shake, and it didn't seem to disrupt the the cohesiveness of this reality that you're experiencing. Uh, no, it, it as strange as it is, the the encounter was as real as anything. I, I'm I'm running through the 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 the, the, the possibilities. Right, we need to get out of here, right? Hitting it didn't seem to shift nothing. So, the way I see it, we got two options. Either one, we stick to the plan and find Harland. Or two, we try and cut off the, the source. If they're here... That means we can affect it here, right? If we kill this thing, maybe maybe it all just goes away. I approve of either plan, but my worry is... Look at you, at all of you. You're so injured. I, and I, 
and I'm so tired. I, I just don't know how we're going to survive another confrontation in either reality. Trevor, Trevor, did we did did you bring the the gun that Constantine had? No, I, I wasn't able to get the gun. It's still down there. Perhaps I could go fetch it. Uh, Wes, can, do I see the business card, the calling card? You do. You see it on the table, and also while you're noticing it, you hear from the other room the voice of the butler uh, that you first met, and you hear. All right, ladies and gents, I hope you've enjoyed getting ready. Uh, but it is time for the main event, the festival, the ball. Uh, Mr. Usher is, well, he's ushering everybody down to the ball. You see what I did there. Anyway, please make your way, uh, and we'll see you down there. Hurry up. And the door to the suite closes, and you hear from the outside. A smack of the table with two hands as a chair gets pushed out. All right, Eliza. Uh, and you here. Gregory, uh, you better come out of your room. It's time to go. The door open and close, and you hear footsteps starting to shuffle their way out. First thing Dr. Glass does, Mage Hand finds a, a nice dinner jacket from Constantine's wardrobe and gives it to Trevor. Sure. She thinks they're probably the same size. And, uh, he thinks he deserves to look nice. Uh, and uh, she, while she's doing that, she reads the card. Samuel Burring, the doctor who's with Harlan right now. Is there any other information on the card that would catch her mind? Dr. Samuel Buring, Surgeon. Sorry, it says Master Surgeon. At the bottom, you see an address, 42 Maple Leaf Lane. Um, besides that, that's it. The card is beautifully made, very expensively made, especially in this time. So the knife she found is Dr. Buring's knife, she's pretty sure. This is a knife made in made and or purchased and named by a surgeon who knows things. Clearly. And it was hidden in Constantine's room. Yes. Though she still doesn't know if it was with Constantine's knowledge. She didn't seem worried to see her near it. She's pretty sure that Dr. Buring is whoever is the person who manipulated uh, Constantine into bringing this entity into the hotel. She is still not sure what to do with that information or with that hunch. Uh, but she holds up the card and she says, I think Dr. Buring is our next level of evil ghost or what, or what have you. A third option. He was the puppet master behind... Constantine, he might yet be a puppet himself, but keep an eye out. Uh, I did worry when I heard the name The Good Doctor that there might be a level of irony there. Heavens no, Esper, I am trying so hard to find you a good doctor. I hear what you're saying, Trevor, and I do agree on those options. 
I think Dr. Glass is right. Perhaps at the current moment, we're not suited to face the monster again, and we're not even sure it would do anything. I think we need to get rid of it, but we need to think of ourselves. I think our best bet is facing Harland Usher directly once more. I agree. It is a gamble, one I do not like to take, but I think we should. I just think, and I don't, this is not a, a very helpful thing to say because I don't know what the answer is, but I'm just hoping that there is some thing we can do to Harlan in this world that will destroy the beast in the real world. I'm very worried about simply attacking Harlan in this world and plunging us back into a vicious fight that will immediately lose. Doctor, look at me. All right? I don't think it matters what world we're in. Shit hurts just the same. All right? So we can either be in this world and get our and get killed or we can be in the real world and get killed with maybe a chance of getting out of there. When we woke up, the creature was unaware of us doing so. I think it, it is the key. Excellent point. I don't think the creature is doing something or interacting with this world directly. So I think it is our best bet to continue to go after Harlodasha. Give him a good smack to see if the world crumbles. Yes, thank you, Nihilus. I've been looking for a, a, a puppet master, but it, it, it is a beast. You hear uh, a small knock behind the door. Not like somebody's knocking, but like somebody bumped something. And at that point, you realize there's two shadows of legs at the bottom of the doorframe visible. Somebody's standing out there trying to listen. Maggie? There's a moment of silence, and then... Yes? The doorknob turns, and she slowly opens it. Sorry, I... I wanted to help. I just didn't, didn't want to impose. We're sorry for not including you. We're not sure what to do ourselves. We feel lost, I think, is a rightful term to say, as I'm sure you do. Yes. I feel the same. I, I really do feel lost. But I... Whatever you said to me brought everything back. I, I feel like I know. I know that I'm here. I'm not here. I'm on the fifth floor of the Whaler Hotel from my time and I want to get out. And we went right after you. And he has a look towards the rest of the party this to see on their looks if he should say anything more. I heard you say you have to hit Harlan Usher. Uh, yes. Maybe I can do that. Perhaps Maggie should bear the knife. I don't like uh, particularly asking for it, but is it possible to roll insight on her, please? Go ahead and roll insight. Thank you. I want to particularly see if she has any ill intent towards controlling the situation. With a total for 21. She looks pale and scared and 
when she speaks, her eyes do that thing that they open just a little wider each time, almost letting out the genuine nature of her request. She wants nothing more than to also be rid of this place. With that, um, Nihilus makes a, a curve towards a smile as his, his eyebrows stands down, uh, offering sympathy in his face as he takes a step closer towards her, uh, puts his hand on her back, and says, Are you sure you don't have to? But... Something has been weird since I got here. I, I didn't even know where I was at first, but now that I do, everybody knows me. They say my name, even those who I didn't introduce myself to. I don't know why, but I feel like I'm trusted here. I, I can't explain it. <laughs> More than us anyway, so uh, this gala thing is happening, right? He's going to be there. Yeah. Out in the open. That's our shot. Hmm. I know Harlan's going to be there. Well, thank you for your assistance, Maggie. Let us make haste once more. Should I take the knife? He looks towards Esper. Yes. She's going to hand on her knee. She has to she has to very clearly struggle to get herself back upright after she had been leaning on a wall. But she'll go to Maggie and hold up the knife for her to take. Maggie looks at it nervously for a moment. It's that look of somebody who <laughs> isn't a fighter, has never been a fighter, but is about to take on a huge responsibility. And almost working her way up to it, you see her take in a last bated breath before she grabs the knife. <sighs> okay. Hey, it's alright. Everyone knows how knives work. You're... You're going to do fine, Miss Maggie. Yeah. I got this. <clears throat> yeah. Nihilus has one hand on Maggie's back, and with the other, he guides her hand holding the knife, um, saying it would be wise to conceal it until the right moment. And as he's trying to console her, he will cast guidance on her and keep on staying with her uh, on a close proximity guiding her, helping her, trying to make it a bit easier. You see as she takes in another deep breath, your guidance making her feel just a bit more comfortable. And she... oh, okay. Um, think. Yes. She takes the knife and she sticks it down into her corset. She tightens around the back just a little bit, stands up straighter. Nobody's seeing that through this. And Dr. Glass is going to take up the forked rod and offer it to Trevor and Esper to see who wants to take it with them. I assume it's to hit it's a strength weapon, Wes. Or it feels like that in one's hand. Um, you would be able to use any typical weapon modifier um, for, the, for this, basically. Not a psychic. No. Not a psi-active. No. It's a finesse yeah. weapon. Yeah. It's basically a finesse weapon. It's a stick. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it doesn't require a hit. That's the thing. You just have to touch your your enemy with it. So it's a standard roll to hit, and it's not going to be hard to accomplish. It's a pointy stick. Unless you are Dr. Glass. 
So she offers it to literally anyone but herself, Nihilus included. I don't need it. Uh, Nihilus, Nihilus will start the walk with Maggie. Okay, so, Esper, there you go. Congrats. Oh, it's better than a statue head. That, that thing didn't do shit. She will take the rod. You walk alongside Maggie as she goes and adjusts her corset one more time to make sure it's perfect. She looks nervous, but confident, much more so ever since you gave guidance. She just feels safer. And she steps out into the main room, the one with the tables, and looks towards the door. And there you hear, all the way through the door, through the floors, down to the first level, the faint sound of operatic classical music begin to get just loud enough to get to this room. And as Maggie looks back at the rest of you, takes a deep breath. Okay, let's go. And we'll take our break there. moments when the weight of the pickaxe feels too heavy, let this tune lighten your burden and remind you of why we push forward. Thank you. 
Well, lonely Leo, your words have touched not just my heart, but surely the hearts of many listening tonight. Fellow Crow Perchians, if, if you've got a piece of advice or a story or even just words of comfort for our good friend Leo, send it our way. And Leo, stay tuned. This vast community might just have the guidance you seek. But before we get to that, it's time for another tune. Take a listen to this piece. I think you'll enjoy it. Maggie takes the front as she walks towards that grand staircase where you know the elevator now to be, but boy, there was a time where things were just made more eloquently, and this is clearly it. Amazing embellishments in the wood, carvings of intricate figures, people, aristocrats, made out of this wood that is swirling with black in, in, kind of inlay. You know this in the modern world to be crow wood. It's natively grown here on Crow Perch. It's fantastically expensive. And the wealthiest make their furniture of it. This is an entire grand staircase and you step down to the lobby where you see the large ornate double doors the music bellows from inside the ballroom eloquent as always and as you part the doors still maggie ahead you open to a party and there you see many people in fact, you can recognize a, a bunch. You see Eliza Montgomery standing near the center, mingling with none other than Adrian, the director in her now-we-know-to-be affair. Not so secret, but somewhat secret. You see Gregory Thornton. He's standing near the bar. He doesn't look that well. His hair is tussled to the side. He looks a bit tired, even. You see Harland Usher standing near the band with a megaphone, an old version of one, a little tube that's larger on the end than it is on the front, uh, as he looks like he's about to make an announcement, but he's caught up in a conversation that's happening right next to him. Otherwise, 
filled with people of all types. And here you also notice something else interesting. On a balcony on the second level overlooking the ballroom, this balcony is not in the modern building. It must have been an original detail. Trevor, you see Brenna Swordswipe. Ari, standing in the corner, also mingling, you see Dr. Faust. Nihilus, you see another Inquisitor, one that you'd constantly pass in the halls, you didn't speak much to. And Dr. Glass, you see, of course, none other than Lord Felix Royce. The room is filled with people, and at least half of them to all of you bear some familiarity, but you can't place on all of them why or where that's from. Maggie looks back. Okay, um, she straightens up her dress a bit. What do I do? And I would recognize Dr. Faust as well, right? Oh, certainly. Visually? Mm-hmm. Clock that, certainly. I wouldn't recognize the other two undesirables. But I think she looks at the group and says, I think something is trying to tell us to behave. Wherever Esper had been in the order, she is notably a pace further back now. Quite suddenly. So weird. Remember that it's not really them. Something's just dredging the people we least want to see from deep within our minds. Is it our... Wait, you're saying you recognize people here? A couple. I recognize two of them. Someone I would like to avoid and someone I know you would like to avoid, Esper, dear. Mm -hmm. Well, it can dredge a little closer to my current memory. Thank you very much. They all look like strangers to me. If only we had more time. I'd be so intrigued. Catch up. Hmm. Yeah. Nihilus and Trevor, am I correct that there's someone here you've had an unpleasant brush with? Oh, you can just read my face, can't you? Yes. There's another Inquisitor here. Hmm. It's... It speaks my interests ever so much. How about you, Trevor? <sighs> that... That lady over there, uh, pointing over, uh, to someone who'd be unfamiliar to everyone else. She, I mean, I wouldn't say she's my enemy. She's the one who taught me how to fight. Uh, she was, uh, she is, I guess, a mercenary in, in the Obsidian Legion. She, she's the one who taught me how to fight with my hands. Quite the boy, and then curious. Yeah, she's a little thing. Uh, you see, you just point down like she's about as tall as Esper. Uh, and you can see that um, her left arm, notably missing. 
You wouldn't think to look at her, but she kicked my ass on more than one occasion. I hope you don't mind the intrusive questions, Trevor, but I am trying to identify the pattern. Uh, Did she kick your ass in a bad way or in a charming training way? Perhaps for me, that's not the... (laughs) That was her job to kick my ass. So how do you feel seeing her? I don't know. Definitely uh, weirded out. I know this place ain't real. I know she ain't real. But at the same time, it's, uh, what you call it? Uh, nostalgia. A little bit of that. Right. A little bit of unease. Well, it sounds like she's the outlier amongst the four. Perhaps that's where we should begin. Could be that there ain't no pattern. Just... Maybe it's just people who were important to us before. We're just reaching into our brains and plucking out whatever people seem uh, important. Hmm. They cho- certainly chose a fitting one, Dad. We mustn't get distracted now. Uh, Maggie, are you still sure you want to do this? I want to do this. I just, I need to know, because you said once I get him with the, once I do it, we're going to wake up outside. I need to know what to do. Yes. So that I I can be prepared. I don't know what to expect. Well, it's not like we're experts at this, but last time it's as if the world itself shook itself awake. And then when we wake up, do I just run to the door? Is that... Yes, seek the path of freedom. I can't exactly tell you what you will see when you wake up, but follow your instincts. Flee. If you feel like you need to, yes. Okay. But, Maggie, I'm not sure what your state will be when you wake up. Yeah, I guess... I guess I'll just... The best thing you can do is try to stay calm. Okay. I'm... I'm calm. Let's get out of here. She turns with a grin on her face, confidently standing up, and starts eloquently and slowly moving her way unsuspiciously through the crowds towards Harlan Usher. It's a long walk across, so you have some time. May Saurus's teachings guide her footsteps lightly. What are we doing in the meantime? Are we just standing by and watching? Well, <laughs> for passing the time, I do see a lovely tray of wine being brought about. You see as the waiter walking with the tray of wine, uh, Gregory takes the tray, swipes it. Not in a bad way. He picks up the tray from the waiter's hands and walks over to the group, and he looks clearly completely plastered at this point. He looks over. <laughs> hey. Very nice to see you all again. I, wine, would you like? I mean, would you like some wine? He holds out the tray. I would certainly love some. Dr. Glass is keeping an eye on Harlan as she takes a, a glass of wine because she wants to see if she'll need to create a last minute diversion, perhaps by knocking over this tray 
to help Maggie out. You see us in the center of the ballroom. There's some dancing happening. Maggie, she gets to the edge of the, the dance floor, contemplates for a second, and then picks up one of the, the handsome men standing in the corner and starts dancing her way across. She's putting on quite the display of, of movement across this party. But Harlan, he seems to still be enjoying his conversation. Because Dr. Glass is worried if she gets in too close, like she was doing to cover Nihilus earlier, that'll just put him on alert. So she doesn't want to try to help her more actively than that. As uh, Trevor is kind of like really gingerly grabs a, a wine glass from the tray, uh, just kind of like side-eyeing, leaning over to the doctor, says... You know, we don't probably got a lot of time, and and like you said, ain't none of this real. He takes a little sip and, like, winces as he swallows. Interjecting himself Uh, into the conversation, he puts his hand on both of your shoulders after giving the tray back to one of the waiters. Anyway, I was trying to say, um, you have to understand (laughs) quite, um, what was I doing here? Oh, right, I wanted to tell you something. He points across the ballroom towards Eliza Montgomery. She's a star. Number one star. I'm just second to her. Hmm. You seem real happy about that. Oh, I'm so happy for her. Her career is progressing so well. I I can only... I can only begin to show my gratitude. And I heard she might be leaving the production after it's complete. Did you hear about that? How much is he speaking out of insecurity? Roll insight. Ten. Extremely so. This man is incredibly insecure, but he's grasping at something beyond his words. He's he's almost trying to show you something but in indirect ways. He looks over. Isn't she just lovely? And look, Adrian's with her. Always with her. Always with her. I hear they're a pair now. Yes, she's very lucky to have not only such a fine director, but such a fine friend in you. Yes. You look out for her, don't you? Always. And as he says this, you see as Maggie has made her way just to the end of the dance floor and Eliza drops her glass. It shatters to the ground. The music stops and there's a bit of bout of silence as she falls. People start rushing over. Oh. Oh my. How unfortunate. Somebody should go help her. That's Gregory saying this? Yes. And did he give her that wine? Because he had the tray? You see your wine glasses, all a purple-colored wine, and coincidentally, in that crowd of people, that same color appears only once. 
among all the white wines that that side of the room had been drinking. Oh, Gregory. My! I was, was I right the first time? That's so disappointing. Right about what? I couldn't be... <clears throat> One sec, I think I'm going to be sick. I probably should go to the bathroom. Um, right about what? Did you do this, Gregory? Just out of jealousy? You see Maggie has stopped at the edge of the dance floor. The crowd is kind of thick now to walk through. And Harlan Usher is walking, running across the room to go tend to the situation. Harlan yells, Doctor! Doctor! But there's no response. Oh, how unfortunate. I should probably get going. I. <laughs> Esper's gonna cattle prod him. Okay. Roll to hit. With advantage. Do just my regular hit thing. Yeah. You can just roll a weapon if you like. It'd be the same modifiers. 18. You strike him with the cattle prod. You hear a zapping sound. He shudders in the air for a moment before falling to the ground. Unconscious. You're not going... You're not going anywhere, Gregory. And if no Dr. Buring presents himself after a moment, Dr. Glass will call out, I'm a doctor, and go over to tend to Eliza. You go. You see the edges of her lips have a deep purple tint to them, almost like that of a dye, as if somebody might have ingested it, though you know it's not a dye. As you get down, everybody makes room for the doctor. Roll a medicine check. And I am proficient with the poisoner's kit. Could that perhaps cancel out my exhausted disadvantage? Yes. Huzzah. 22. What this poison is, exactly? Unfamiliar to you, but... It's clearly insidious, because in the spots around the edges of her lips, the skin has completely caved in on itself. It's almost as fast-acting as an acid. Whatever this is, there's no amount of help that somebody could have. It would eat away in an instant at whatever it touches. So there's nothing I could do with any of my kits? You know with certainty it would take a miracle to save her. I do look with panic at Nihilus and say into his bind. Any miracles up your sleeves? You, he, he gets closer to the situation. Uh, while doing so, he says, well, you're more than expert in medicine than I am, but I'll sure to take a look. Oh. Quickly. It is. I believe in a lot of things, and I do believe in miracles, but this situation is lost for her, I'm afraid. All I can do is say my prayers, but. Maggie looks. Maggie, at this point, is no longer moving, no longer on her mission. She just looks across the crowd at whoever will see her 
with a look of concern and almost as if she's looking for direction on what to do. Harlan stands at the other edge of the crowd to Dr. Glass, looking down. Uh, Trevor, who's still standing uh, away from the crowd, uh, knowing that Harlan went to go and uh, at least try to tend to Eliza, uh, and not wanting to um, rock the boat with his presence, um, is just sort of like surveying, like he got a peek at Gregory unconscious on the ground with uh, Esper over him, you know, looking over at Nihilus and the doctor and then is just going to like looking over at uh, Maggie um, is just wordlessly but um, is going to look around for uh, for Harland and then just like look over to Maggie and just go like where is he? Do it now. Maggie begins, this time walking quickly across the crowds. It doesn't stand out because there's an air of concern and panic, uh, a chatter in the air. People have made their way either to the edges of the room or to the collapsed star of Midnight Whispers. And Maggie gets to the back of Harlan and feigns looking over at the body and she looks back at Trevor mouthing the words now just wordlessly just go like nod the head she reaches towards her chest she kind of rubs near her neck to feign looking like she's doing something with her hand, but you see as she begins to pull out the knife from behind her corset, the crowd crowded around Eliza. They don't notice her. That's obvious. She slowly pulls the dagger out, concealing it at all times behind her wrist as she moves it down towards her stomach. She takes a step behind Harlan, looking back one last time at Trevor before raising the dagger and plunging it into the back of Harlan Usher. The world around you immediately starts to shake violently, worse than it ever has before. Pieces of ceiling chandeliers start to fall. The entire hotel looks like it's going to pick up and take off its foundation and just turn into rubble on the spot. Screams begin to erupt across the crowd. They start scattering and running towards the edges, unsure where to go. You hear people crying and panicking. And the floor begins to fall apart. And as that happens, as you feel like you're about to be pulled out of this place, you also see the beast from the basement crawl through the crevices in the floor, making its way into the crowd, starting to tear at people one at a time, screeching. It looks over and recognizes you. At this moment, something special is happening. You feel this dream falling apart 
you can choose to temporarily stay here and fight the beast while that happens, or go back and fight the beast in the real world. Each of you individually can make that choice. I would say... How, how does it look? <laughs> the beast looks younger. This is clearly a younger version of it. It still has some black staining on its body where Esperanza stuck the dagger. But you can guess that it's tethered to the one in the real world. And felling it in either place would destroy it in both. Mm -hmm. Nihilus, as he is in this position of between reality and not, between being in a nightmare and what he knows is real. His urges, his senses all say, these are people you need to help, you need to save, you need to protect, you need to serve. Yet his, his mind, it knows it's, it's false, it's an illusion, it's a trap. That's, that's what it wants. So he goes against his instincts, he goes against what he has been taught. He has to really pull himself true to his mind, to what he knows is real, and he will choose to fight in reality. Esper, being somebody who is familiar with dreams and their strangeness and the fact that their own dreams are abnormal, is aware that even in this situation, it is abnormal on top of that, and that it isn't reality, not anymore. So Esper knows that she's going to miss having some weapons at her disposal, but her fists are going to do the trick because she has to take care of herself and the people around her in the present. Trevor? Sort of trying to serpentine his way through the panicking crowd as they slowly start to dematerialize almost. Um, he is trying to make his way to Maggie. Um, just for the small amount of time as he sees the creature begin to come into the room, uh, he's going to try and close the distance and just try and put his hands on her shoulders and just say like what, what, what do, we, do we wake up now? Is it happening? Do I? What do I do? Maggie, Maggie listen to me I don't know what's going to happen next, alright I want you to know how brave you were doing this I don't know what's going to happen to you what's going to happen to me but for as long as I can talk to you I want to say thank you for putting yourself in that position for us and ain't none of us going to forget that alright we're going to do our best to make sure you're alright that's a promise you see as the stress and panic dissipate just slightly 
and she looks at you almost understanding just a little bit. Yeah. She goes in, gives you a hug. I'm... I'm... Flinches a bit, just feeling come that close to him, but he lets her. I'm, I'm glad... I'm glad I could help. Goodbye. And which do you choose, Trevor? He doesn't belong here. And from the very beginning, his one objective at all costs was to get out of here. And now he's been given that ticket. He's not going to spurn it. He is going back to his own state of mind, his own perceptions of the world. And Dr. Glass. Dr. Glass is in a similar spot as Nihilus. Her first instinct is to stay. It feels fake here, which feels safer. And there's a mystery which feels like her bailiwick, but she knows they're they could die here just like they could die there and in the real world she might be able to heal them so she lets go of poor Eliza uh, part of her feels like she could have saved this person who died long ago and goes back to the real world you come to in the places that you had fallen outside. We're back on, by the way, the Albear Rodeo map. You come to and you see the beast is standing in front of the door, consuming what was left of the elf. Its body almost entirely gone, devoured, bits and pieces spread out, staining the ground. As you come to, the beast does not yet know that you're awake. We're still in initiative order. That initiative order is Trevor. <laughs> you come to and you see each person is starting to wake up one at a time. Just like last time when you were sitting at the table, the air is cold. The room is dark, and you just hear the snapping, crunching, wet sounds of meat being devoured by the door. You can see just past the wall in front of you the edge of this beast as it hunches over whatever it's devouring, completely focused on what it's doing, and not at all on the room around it. What would you like to do? Uh... Blinking back into consciousness, uh, Trevor wakes up, realizes the state that he's in. Uh, he doesn't get up from uh, his laying position. He's, his head just kind of tilts up to see the the creature just out of the corner of his peripheral view. And uh, he just starts scanning 
making sure that everyone else is here too. He doesn't see anyone except for Esper. And uh, little by little, without getting up, he just starts kind of like crawling his way. Five, ten, fifteen. Over to Esper and is just going to slightly nudge them. Esper's eyes slowly slide open and then blink several times. They squint. They look up to Trevor. They shudder a little at the noise that's clearly becoming recognized. And Esper doesn't move her head to look. Just keeps her eyes trained on Trevor and slowly nods. We gotta go. And, uh, for the rest of his movement. Uh, let's see. I can move. It takes double my speed to move while prone. Uh, and I've moved 30 in that case. So I'm just going to stay prone still and just begin to uh, make my way uh, using an action to dash uh, to try and keep out of whatever this creature is like don't get his attention, stay out of its eyesight, and is just going to keep going. Uh, I can go all the way to uh, to Dr. Glass and just do the same. Just check on her, make sure she's okay, and try and stay out of sight. And make sure everyone's good. It would normally be the creature's turn now, followed by Dr. Glass. The creature lurches over, arching its back even more as it seems to be slurping at the floor, licking up whatever bits and pieces remain. And then you hear it screech for a moment. As you see it wince, shudder, as if something from inside has also just heard it. Dr. Glass, it's your turn. Uh, so it, I don't, I can't see Nihilus, right? No, Nihilus went down into the other room. You might remember where he was from when you were fighting. I think I'm going to nod to Trevor and crawl dash. <laughs> Wait, how, what's half of 25? Can I get adjacent to Esper? Without like dashing? 12 feet. We can call it 10, rounding down. I'm going to crawl to get right to in front of the door so I can kind of meet with everyone. Uh, is this, can I hold this as an action that can I like gesture to Esper and if she meets me, I use my healer's kit on them? Yes, you can, you basically can hold the action to say, if Esper's comes in range, I'll use my healer's kit. Great. Uh, then I, she beckons and like points to her doctor's bag and waits by the door and holds that action. Esper nods her head. I think it would draw too much attention if I tried to open the doors on this turn. I'm not going to do that until I'm ready to get out. Um, and just let me double check. I think I'm I don't think I have bonus action anymore, but 
definitely not going to end my turn without checking. Yeah, that's me. You see as this creature is finishing up its second helping, and it looks like it'll be done soon. Nihilus, it's your turn. Nihilus understands the situation as he wakes up similarly like before. He's still feeling a bit nauseous, but I suppose that's right for, for a time like this. He will try to stay hidden. It need be used as action to keep its stealth. Uh, but he will try to get up, um, but out of sight from behind the cover. And he will simply be patient and wait to order for the right moment to respond. He will not crawl from out of the room. And he ends his turn. Esper. The creature finishes slurping up some of the last bits. On its next turn, it may turn around. You don't know what its next move is after it finishes eating. It's your turn. Esper is going to crawl her way over to Dr. Glass. Um, and then I will do my healer jazz. <laughs> which you should add three to for your max hit dice. I assume that's three. So six plus three, you get back nine hit points. And those are normal hit points, not temp. Thank you very much. Uh, Dr. Glass, what is it that you do to help Esper? Well, I think I, of all people, clock immediately that it's psychic damage that she received. Uh, and though I, I, I do take stuff out of my healer's kit. I take... Uh, I think it's like a men like I think there's like menthol and eucalyptus in a compress like stuff that's very like you inhale it uh, uh, I think she's almost got like if you'll pardon my saying like a popper uh, and uh, she breaks it under Esper's nose and Esper can't help but inhale it and it like clears her mind and while that's happening she's also like in a very mundane way just like uh like wiping blood off her brow and you know doctor stuff you see her pupils dilate a bit and she looks a bit more present now but it's not drugs it's not like ether it's minty of course Esper, are you doing anything else? Uh, while prone, even when crawling, it is half movement. Yes, if I... you, you can, uh, moving while prone is double your movement, like takes double your movement, or you can get up from prone by using half of your movement. So mm -hmm. it's the same thing either way. And to dash would be to give myself more movement, so I will use my dash to stand. Okay. Dash doesn't and mean you're running. Um, you can yeah, do that. It's just the movement, yeah. Um, 
and I, because Esper is small, she's going to remain behind this table for the moment. Uh, take no... Take a glance at Dr. Glass and Trevor. Do their faces read anything? Esper is motioning like she's kind of getting ready to begin possibly a lunge. Her, her body language says that she is looking to propel herself. But she is looking to the two of you first. Honestly. Have I spoken into your mind? Ever? I have. You could... I, I would have given you the ability to speak back and it lasts an hour. As long as you can see me. Uh, I you do not believe Esmer just knows it, though. Fair. So. Um, I suppose... But I could speak... I could say, like, what is a child into her mind freely, right? Wes, is that... Is that yeah, yeah. Generally, yeah. In terms of uh, initiative order conversation, we just feel it out. You wouldn't have a full conversation. You could say a few words. I, I think she she hears in her mind. Uh, speak, child, but this way. They're just making intense eye contact. And Esper trying to I was just think. Just Esper trying. To at, yeah, she's like she's making that <laughs> little focused face. She's like, and she says, "We have to do it." We, we have to. I'm... I don't disagree. And she will nod her head and not loosen that posture, getting ready to rush. But for now, she's in place. Yeah, and I think you can tell that, that Dr. Glass would have supported either decision. You notice... This creature still looks very severely hurt from the last time you fought it. The scales that you had loosened, they haven't regrown. You see the soft bits of its in insides uh, pulsing, pussing, and oozing. Its injuries closing somewhat, but not fast, not at all like it did in the beginning. Trevor, it's your turn. Uh Trevor, who did not hear any of that conversation, uh, is just... When Esper looks over, uh, he's kind of got this, like, wide-eyed, thousand-yard stare kind of look in his in his face. Uh, he's clutching at, like, keeping a hand over his chest, and with the other hand is just, like, bringing a finger to his lips, just in general, to keep quiet. Uh... And then, I mean, I don't know if he would go lunge for an attack yet. Uh, here's a question. Um, Maggie's body, the probably headless body, uh, is it true to where it is on the map here? It would be in the center of the tables, but yes. Uh, he would slowly use half his movement speed to get up from prone just sort of lean over and he's going to grab her body and just start to slowly drag it off the table and uh, basically carry her uh, I'll go ten feet or five feet over here to make it more 
normal here. Uh, so with that, I believe I still have 15 feet of movement. Um, I'm going to carrying her going to back up again. Uh, 10. I believe that's all I can get. Uh, that's as far as I can get while carrying someone. I think that's half movement speed while I'm carrying a full-grown person. Uh, head or no head. Uh, I'll bring her along with me, too. Um, I'm just going to set her down over here, out of the way of the monster. Then I'm just looking ahead to everyone else. I'm just going to slowly, surely reach back into my uh, sheath that I have on my thigh and just slowly bring out my short sword and just wait and see where everyone goes. I'm going to uh, hold an action. Uh, actually, I don't even know if I can... Because I've used all my movement... I can't run up on the on the creature in time, but I will hold uh, an attack if the creature starts to approach, like gets in range of my short sword. Okay. The creature, it finishes what sounds to be licking at the floor. At this point, the floor is cleaned of anything that was left. It, almost unknowing where it is, what it's doing, it seems to try to move forward, lurching and tapping the door, the wall. It realizes that that's not a direction, and so it turns, slowly beginning to turn its massive body and head around. Lurches, its snake-like bits all recoiling in pain as it takes five psychic damage again for some reason from its inside as it turns it sees esper glass and just out of the corner trevor and immediately it changes in the way that it operates It lurches forward violently. It clamors over the table. It breaks the wood of the table with its weight as it almost no longer working with any bit of grace, uh, knocking everything over, makes its way toward Esper, Trevor, and Dr. Glass. Trevor, I believe that triggers your held action does uh just still covering up uh his chest with one arm he is hurt and as he brings up the short sword it's shaking in his hand but he's going to do a big lunge forward with the short sword just to try and catch it off guard come on that's a 14 to hit that's a hit okay take those uh, it's gonna plunge into him for eight points of piercing damage. 
you see this time as you're striking, it's easy to find where the vital organs are, and you're striking right inside, ravaging what's left of this creature. Come here. We're finishing this. And I believe it's still its turn. It is. Now, I believe, Dr. Glass, you're prone. Yes. A crouching 60-year-old doctor. Unarmored. Administering smelling salts. That's a 24 to hit, followed by a 19 to hit. Let me just check very quickly. Uh, Crunch some numbers real quick. I think I have an AC of 35. Just natural. Yes, both of those hit, Wesley. You take 11 points of damage, followed by 9 as it strikes you. Are they both psychic? They're both with its mandibles, its feet. It thrashes its body, striking with its tail, and then striking down with one of its clawed feet at you, battering you while you're down on the ground. It's not even seeing anything anymore. Its eye is squinted and barely open. It's just thrashing like an animal that's on the brink of death trying to survive so what type of damage is it dealing with? Uh, that is bludgeoning and piercing how very dare you <laughs> I am still up by hook and or crook and as it strikes you on the ground Dr. Glass, it's your turn as you feel the battering of this creature repeating over and over again, finally catching a moment that you feel an opportunity to do something from its onslaught of attacks. Well, I'm going to stand up and hit it, aren't I? Okay. And that is a 21 to hit. A 21 will certainly hit. You see an opportunity as it's not even looking what it's doing at this point, and as it raises its entire body to try to go for another strike, you see the missing scales in its soft chest area. I do five bludgeoning damage. You deal five bludgeoning damage, striking the inner bits of this creature. More black ooze and pus just pours out onto the ground around your feet, pooling as it's losing all of its liquid and again you hear as it is taking more damage from the inside psychic damage you see it recoil its eye close and squint as it looks away from you for a moment not sure whether to attack or defend Nihilus Nihilus sitting in the room next door where Constantine's old room used to be he has his hands in front of his mouth. He's trying to hold his, his breath from one nightmare into the other. His hand is shaking. His body is shaking. He's trying not to speak, not to make a sound. But then suddenly the, the creature turned around. He hears the heavy footsteps and he hears the fight going around. Even though his entire body, once again, is saying, No, get out, run, flee. He can't. He mustn't. He knows this is the one shot he has. This is the one chance. He reveals himself from around the corner, from behind the blind spot of this creature. Pulls open his testimonium veritas, his, his known one. He claws his own hand into it in the rightful page that he has. And he starts to pull 
open from his five fingers, these five tendrils of lightning. And while he's doing that, as it's starting to transform into all these different elements, he thinks to himself, back in the memory, the rod that was being used by Constantine, he inspected it. Would he have known what kind of element the rod would have used? Certainly, it would have been electric. As he is confirmed into his mind, he keeps this electric power to its original form. He, last time he changed it, that was a mistake. He must keep true to its original nature. And he just unleashes this bolt of five lightning tendrils, shooting this creature in the back for 14 to hit. That hits. As he uses his second level spell slot to increase the power of this, he goes for a total of six lightning damage. How would you like to do it? Yes. It's Nihilus preparing himself. He shoots this lightning as it connects to the creature. It's not just a spell one shoots. It's something you concentrate on. You make a connection as one usually have to take a moment to shoot it again. No, he forces himself. With his other hand, he lets go of the book. It falls to the floor. He holds to the Holy Cross. His eyes they start a flare with lightning he himself is powered with it and he himself is now a conductor for his own deity that is forcing him to use his magic and he just unleashes this full bolt of lightning and it just goes through the entire creature's body zapping it through its long fangs and body and limbs alike and just absolutely zaps it, zaps it to a burst of crispy meat and scratch. The creature is burnt to a crisp. The edges of its skin start to repeal in, curling in, as you almost smell the cooking sound of the meat from within it. The scales are starting to fall and fall and fall, as all you see is this skeleton from front to back, the rib cage on the inside completely exposed all protecting the inner organs that at this point aren't even holding themselves in anymore. They too start to cook and fall out with this. And all that remains once the creature fries before you is a center organ, one that's perhaps unfamiliar to you. You could try to ascertain what it is. But we're out of combat, by the way. It, it's red. It's charred around the outside. It glows the same color that its eye did when you first beholded it. You see there's the head of this creature barely intact. You see the very slow rise and fall of breath as the creature is powerless and motionless, but clinging on to the edge of life. Demonly beast, you have been vanquished, and you shall stay so. 
do not move a muscle as he keeps the concentration. There's like a flash of lightning between his fingers. And he just holds out the point and he stays his position as he collects back the book and he looks towards rest. Are you alright? And Dr. Glass limps over with her one hit point and kind of admires and wonders at what Nihilus is looking at. So the, the creature is sort of still there, but not? It's, I think it's on, it's almost, well, I think it's still alive. Barely. She, she makes one more attempt to speak to it mentally. She says, if you have any wisdom to leave us with, this is your chance. You hear that similar cacophony of screams, but it's quieter more distant. You almost feel like you can reach in and try to grasp at voices from within, single them out. You can tell this creature is is dying. It's not going to survive. Its breaths become more shallow and slow. But in the time you have, you can single out one voice to speak to be it the creature or any anybody else. She's going to not follow her heart. She's going to follow the clues. And she's going to try to talk to Constantine about Dr. Buring, who knew he who knew not to be at that gala. Hello. Constantine you were played, and I'm sorry. But you can redeem yourself if you tell me now. Dr. Hearing, he was the one, wasn't he, who convinced you to bring that creature to, that, to this place? I... Hmm. I remember. I remember the ball and the... The poisoning, the lames that took over. Dr. Buring wasn't there. They called for a doctor, Constantine, and no one responded. He knew. I'm getting to that. I I remember the floor caving in and... Oh, the... <laughs> it got out. Oh, it got out. Oh, I was supposed to get out. Wasn't it? No. I know you didn't know that. Well, I... I was supposed to deliver it overseas. Something... Something bad was happening on this island, and... That thing... Came out of it. I was paid for. I was paid for by the doctor. And... No... I waited for over an hour for him. He never arrived. He left me with his knife. He left me with his knife as if he knew, as if he fucking knew that I would be there. Stupid knife. He never, you never saw him on Crow Perch? 
course. He came to see the beast, but didn't show up when it counted, did he? Where was he from? Rested the calling card. It didn't say an address, right? It just said Master Surgeon. Did it did forty two Maple Leaf Lane? Oh, it did. But it did. Did it say a city? No, but we can only assume we're on an island. There are only two places mm-hmm, that have streets. You feel his voice starting to grow slightly more distant, and you hear the breaths of this beast becoming even more shallow. Constantine, tell us something. Something we can use. For Eliza's sake. Where was it going? Where overseas? Why? What did they tell you? You want answers? I know the one person who can tell you everything. Who's that? There's a pause. Beatrice, of course. Oh. I should probably introduce myself. I'm Constantine Van Thorne. She's my sister. She's out there with you. Tell her I miss her. If you find that doctor, tell him to go fuck himself. As the voice dissipates into a whisper and echo into the night, a call from the void, and then there is nothing. I surely will, Constantine. She looks around and she says, Oh, Maggie, Eliza, I'm so sorry. I know. I know we... At this point, the creature has drawn its last breath and you see its entire weight sink into the floor, flat and dead. Uh... Trevor's going to turn around and re-pick up uh, Maggie's body. Just sort of like holding it, cradling it uh, in his arms. He goes, I know we've just been through a, a lot, but I, I had a thought. Um, how are we getting out of here? We're about to walk out of a room that we were strictly forbidden from walking in carrying the headless corpse of the proprietor of this hotel after being accosted by if I recall our handler who is also a member of the Van Thorn family probably we should go one at a time and Trevor and you and Esper should not go first first we should look for Marta Martha, I believe. Martha. She's the that cleaning lady. She's, if she's, she's alive, still missing. She might be able to help us get out of here. There's one or two more things I want to do here before we go, at any rate. And if it does seem calm, Wes, she'd like to, as a ritual, cast Detect Magic. She's out of spell slots, but she can do a ritual. You take ten minutes... You get attuned with the air around you, and as you close your eyes, begin detecting magic and open them again, you see the room that Nihilus was in, 
in a bookshelf. There is a dagger behind the books. And the room opposite, there is a pocket mirror. That's what I was hoping. She collects them and she uh, takes the mirror to examine later. She presents the dagger to Esper and makes another quip. I think all you really need is one good doctor. After after the day we've had. And her, her fingers are just trembling as she reaches out for it. But all the same, she seems, in general, kind of calm about accepting a weapon, of all things, from Dr. Glass. She'll take it and, and, and carefully stow it uh, between her belt and uh, the trousers and like kind of lift the bottom of the blouse that she has on and kind of cover it a little bit. And she wouldn't mind uh, doing a necropsy on this beast if we have time. But if people object and want her to just get the F out of there, she would uh, she would obey. Maybe you can just take that, whatever it is, pointing over to the organ, just sort of like... Yeah. Just a- maybe some proof that we weren't just here to murder... A woman. She kind of like to grab a jar from her poisoner's kit and like seal the organ in it to examine. You can do so. Okay, medicine, medicine with disadvantage is just a normal thing to do that she should do. So it's a wise thing to do, and she'll do it. Uh, and a ten, which seems pretty appropriate for this crazy thing she's never seen before. The organ is interesting. It's wrinkled and folded uh, almost like a brain but it's not it's not humanoid it's not made of the same material almost um it doesn't look dangerous it looks like a control center of sorts that would power a creature or in this case you can only surmise judging by your earlier connection with it devour and store the consciousnesses of its victims. This organ probably isn't dangerous with a 10. Great, looks super cool. Obviously she's gonna put it in her jar and take it. Sorry for all the hemming and hawing. In the meantime, (laughs) uh, Nihilus would have spent the time, although coughing and and stumbling, he would use that time to search the rooms as many as he can with the time that he has in search of Martha, the, the missing cleaning lady. You can roll perception. Yeah, perception. A total of 16 on the perception check. You find the doors to what would have been Gregory Thornton's room. And as you walk in, You find a small linen closet. You see there is a ring of dust on the floor where the door had been opened and closed recently. And you can only surmise that that's where you'd find Martha. As you approach and slowly open the door, you see a frightened lady, elven lady, kneeling on the ground, trying to be as silent as possible. She looks up at you. Is it safe? Nihilus 
bends down and goes to sit in a normal position. Uh, he goes through his pouch and uh, tries to see if he has some uh, some food left over it, maybe some crackers or something. As a gentle gesture, he offers it to her and says, "Yes, it's going to be all right." I'm so sorry you had to go through all that. It must have been extremely terrifying. I'm here. We're here. We'll get you back. I'm sorry, but you're the only one who survived. I I understand. She stands up and grabs onto your arm. I'll stay close to you, if you don't mind. That's quite all right. More than welcome. And he unclips his long robes and jacket and puts it over the shoulder and guides her and as he steps as they step back into the main room he does try to guide her in a way where she sees the least that she needs to although I can imagine that's quite inevitable of a she sight. doesn't try you see her face is pointed at the floor at her feet watching each step that she takes and that's it walking back all the way to the edge of the door he looks back to the rest of the party well we should get out of here. Sure. I could use a... I don't know, a bit of a lie down. I don't remember the last time I was this tired. It's... It's it's, it's hard to... absorb this, I think. Because I'm so um, yeah. We're gonna walk out of here as best we can. And then... You know... We might have a bit of explaining to do, if it's alright with you, Doctor. I'm gonna leave the pretty words to you. I think... Plan A. We walk out with Marta and we all head immediately upstairs to the penthouse. And get cleaned up and rest. And then worry about everything else later. That sounds good. We all look like absolute shit. It, Not you, Mark. If, if you don't mind, I, I'd like to go home. Yes. Oh, yes. yes. I'm sorry. You don't have to come to the penthouse with us. I just mean if yes. you escort us out. Martha, are you able to write? Yes. You should... I. You should tell... We should tell Maggie what happened. She's, she'll, she'll take care of you. Just. He consoles her, and we should speak after you've rested. Go home. Go straight towards your home. Is there someone else there? No, I I live alone. Okay. We will send word. We will. Speak to the rightful authorities. Could you please write down your address for me? Yeah. And he gets an ink and quill from... Um, magically appears into his hand. A page that is not that much fully written in. And he allows her to write down the address. She writes down her address. Thank you. Go home and rest. One more thing. 
there's a a Beatrice who works here, is there not? A, a bee, a Beatrice? Yes. What's her surname again? Beatrice goes by Beatrice Thorne, but everybody just calls her B. Uh, what's the... Well, how would you describe her character? Do you trust her as much as you trust Maggie? B's been here a long time. She's really... She's really great. She helps us all out. She's currently the head of cleaning... Back in the day, that was Maggie. But B's in charge now. Did she know you were coming here today? Um, I get my schedule from B. I I don't know. I think she get gets hers from Maggie. I I don't know. This is very important, Marta. Can you get to your home without Beatrice seeing you? Yeah. Yeah, of course. That's no problem. I think that would be ideal. Okay. I'll I'll go. Alright. You be safe now, dear. Straight home. Stay home. Rest. And he will take back his cloak and as he guides her for the final steps all out of the fifth floor, uh, you will cast guidance on her as a gentle fate, gentle gesture. You do so, and she walks just a little bit taller and more confidently, a little bit less scared of those dark parts in every crevice of this upstairs, and turns down the hall, the same one you came down from to get here towards the exit. All right, everyone. We rest up, and then I think we might have to immediately kill Beatrice. I think she was feeding that thing. Oh. I think she was trying to feed those two. I think we took a leap somewhere. Elves. Beatrice, who runs house cleaning here, was the sister of Constantine. Right. And Constantine said, she, oh, right, you weren't privy to the conversation I mentally had with dead Constantine. Doc, doctor, Apologies. Doctor. Yes. If we can. Sleep first. Yes. Before we start yes. taking out vigilante we, justice. Well, I, more because I think she might murder us when she finds out we killed her pet. Let us rest and talk. Well, this pet has been here for over 30 plus years, and almost no one goes here, so I suppose we have the benefit of time for now to our advantage. But I believe what Trevor said earlier might be true, how it might have a specific look if we are the only survivors, and the proprietor of the hotel itself did not. Let us make use of the time that we have right now and rest up. <laughs> as he coughs up a bit of blood on his hand. I think we could all use some rest. Yes, just quickly and quietly and no talking to Beatrice. And we weren't here. Let's go. Anything? Yes. Is there anything you want to do with Maggie's body? Still kind of holding it. Nihilus, is there any sanctification you can do? 
to set these ghosts to rest? It will take some time. Uh, I will probably guide her to the afterworld. It is a ritual done... I've done it a couple of times before when I was traveling to a town up north in Kieranstone. To take some time, I will see you in the room. I need to focus. As for the bodies, I'm, I'm really not sure. The body... I want to just Sorry. leave her here, you know? She should... Yes, I think we should leave her here with the evidence. I will guide her soul to the proper place. In her final moments, she acted bravely and true. Um, she might not have been a follower of Lazarus' testimonium, but she did act towards his guiding. And I'm sure Lazarus will take good care of her in the afterlife. Would you feel better, Trevor, if we attempted to somehow cremate the the remains? I don't know, man. I don't know what I want. I just... I understand. I don't feel right. I know. This is a dismal resting spot. It doesn't feel right, no, and, and and I wish that we could do something more for her, but if if we were caught with her body, yeah, no, I don't I, think that's going to help. I get and it. that's, it doesn't feel good, no. Yeah, you're right. Just Is there a nice spot we can leave her in, Wes? Put her on the table. I'll perform the ceremony there. I think if Trevor lays... If Trevor and Esper would lay both bodies out, Dr. Glass would use Mage Hand. Actually, she'd use Mage Hand to attempt to use the pocket mirror on them to sort of see if it would tell her how they might like to be arranged. Unfortunately, the pocket mirror really only works on living. On the living. Yeah. Well, she just try, she does try to like make their. I don't know. The, Were you about the, to say hair? The other guy had his Maggie's yeah, hair. Yeah, was, and then I remember it. <laughs> yeah, real uh, close shave. Unfortunately. <laughs> just teasing. I'm so sorry that we couldn't save you both of you. Maggie, I think you may have saved us from the other realm. You were very brave. And it seemed you seemed very competent. And I believe that you had dinner on the table at nine o'clock sharp. Uh, I was going to set uh, as per the doctor's instructions after setting uh, Maggie down on the table. Just kind of Gives a little deep breath. <laughs> Gives a tap on the table. Just uh, did was was real, real brave. And you can tell that he's like looking, half looking for the right words to say, and not finding them, and half just like not really. Uh, trying to distance himself already from this as he gives a little tap to the table he's actually going to 
leave the table and just go back to the door, uh, almost walking back to uh, the entrance to the fifth floor and just leave the bodies there. Uh, just head off on his own um, on his way back up to the penthouse. Esper, Dr. Glass, what do you do? Esper will stand first on the floor, but then get up onto one of the chairs so that they can actually visibly see Maggie staring hard at the body, forcing themselves really to look at the sight. There's a tensing and a relaxing of the throat. The her mouth again. It kind of it moves subtly every so often, and it, it takes a good minute before she can get anything out. I, I'm, I'm glad that we got the chance to meet you, Maggie. More than anybody else, you. You, you did a lot for us. And, uh... I, I won't forget it. I won't. She's gonna hop down from the chair, and she is also going to move to leave the room. And is Nihilus staying, or is he going and coming back? Be able to tell that Nihilus is preparing his ritual. He will be staying. Uh, Dr. Glass pats him on the arm and says is it alright if I leave you? Yes I need to focus Thank you I will see you upstairs and She looks around and she says to him <sighs> this isn't over I'm afraid No But neither are we for now <laughs> He gives a gentle smile with a heavy sigh following and she sighs as well, a more of a achy, fatigued sigh, and she makes her way out and up. Nihilus, tell us about the ritual. He starts off by making a proper presentation. Uh, as the corpse lays on the table, he finds from one of the rooms next to it a piece of bedding or cloth large enough to, to cover the corpse. Uh, he grabs from his component pouch on the backside of his belt underneath his cloak his only and last use of silver powder <clears throat> quite a bit uh, enough to sprinkle around the corpse in a circular pattern. As he does this he holds open his Testimonium Veritas, his holy textures, and he starts um, he starts praying for a long ritual which will take over an hour as he has to stay close to the corpse in order to guide their spirits to the afterlife. He starts on Oos. It is quite easy to tell for the viewers, I suppose, uh, that it's a very ancient ritual the Lazarus testimonium they're all about the truth and the objection divination of things but this one is more 
deeper, more profound, and perhaps some very simple. Uh, he will call out, O oh, spirits of the ancients, hear our call. We gather here today to bid farewell to a beloved soul, to guide them on their journey to the afterlife. May their soul find truth and peace, and to continue to mourn in its rightful way. And he will continue to do so as he steps around, and eventually takes place. The, the prayer itself only takes about a 10 minutes, and then the rest of the time, a good hour full long, he just stays close in proximity. He focuses with his eyes closed, although he might be in discomfort in the room that he is right now. This is his duty, this is his job, and he will stay close guiding her, being once again a conductor for the deity to help Lazarus find a rightful, peaceful place for this soul. It takes a while, but the ceremony concludes. There's nothing more to do here, and more than likely, above all things, after everything you've been through, you're probably tired. I would say the least. So you step out into the hallway, make your way, almost dragging your feet down the hall, getting to the door to the staircase, opening it, closing it, what's left of it. Very, it was kicked open after all. And you make your way up to the room. Now, everybody else was also beat and hurt, likely took time to tend to their wounds to the best of their ability, and rest. And you step inside the mass, this, this suite of yours, this two-bedroom suite, and the lights are off. They're off in the kitchenette, in the living room, and you see two doors, one on the left, one on the right, to each bedroom, and you're staying in one of them. But before you go to bed, you decide to recount what you have. You go through your testimonium, you place everything in front of you carefully to take a chronicle of what's there after all of this. And there you have the testimonium, your components pouch, your armor, weapons, religious texts of all kind. You also have, of course, the note, the address that was written on it. And seeing it among your things on the table in front of you, maybe you don't know why, but thought, why not check? the one that she folded in front of you after writing on. And written on that piece of paper is 42 Maple Leaf Lane. And that is where we'll end today's session. May Lazarus save us all. <laughs> Woof. Woof.
<laughs> it could be the other one. There are two cities. Fuck. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, sorry, I'm looking for Maple Leaf Avenue. Sorry, no, it's the wrong address. <laughs> sorry, oh wrong house. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, why didn't I check the note? <laughs> No, that was real. That was real nice. I had my no. fingers crossed. Oh, I was, was really I was like, nice. she folds the note and hands it to you. And I'm thinking, don't ask, don't ask, don't ask, don't ask. <laughs> nope. I, nope. I think I, I thought it, and it I was, before it, you could, because I was doing the Beatrice thing. You were I saved thought by it, my rudeness. And I was like, what if it's the same address? But I was like, I, Esper's not literally a part of this conversation. She's still too frazzled. So there's no reason for me to ask. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Yep. He just wanted the help. No stress. <laughs> Should have been the more thorough investigator. But oh, I like. I quite like this actually. <laughs> so, what did you think of today's session? Oh, beautiful! It's real good. It all connects. Mm-hmm. I. I, I the, the, the storytelling and the, the plot progression and everything that was that was that was really good mm-hmm. the tension of encountering the creature in the basement with only two of us present oh geez yeah, yeah on, honestly the, I, I didn't come prepared at all I just I had an idea for the last <laughs> session and I was like I'm just gonna not take notes and see what happens and I'm so glad mm-hmm. and it never even crossed my mind even though you warned us last session. But this session, I didn't even think about it. And it didn't seem like you had no prep at all. Oh, I appreciate that. Um, Man, I went into the that, that last battle thinking, well, at least I'm resistant to psychic damage. <laughs> so, and I've got you. all my hit points left. We're going to kill you <laughs> the old-fashioned way. The two hits I got were the physical. The creature is very oh. lacking in psychic power towards the end. It's it's getting like destroyed from the inside, and its psychic organs are all squishy and yeah. Of course, <laughs> I will stay for a fact. Although, like Nihilus was saying, like finding reality, like I as a player definitely thought like, okay, it's gonna be so much better if we find it here. We got the rod, we got other people it can eat, so it not to eat us. Like it's just have more people here it's gonna be so much better yep. i that's why i asked because you got all these things and i was thinking you know if they want mm-hmm. to use them they can do that here uh it was the same health pool yeah. by the way in both sides so uh, you would have done much. the same damage yeah. that was i love that yeah uh see that's what i wasn't sure about i couldn't tell you but mm-hmm. yeah yeah but to me it makes sense like one is like large and wounded and the other one is small and look healthy but you know uh-huh. Yeah. So it was was it can I know was it vulnerable to lightning? It was. It was that was honestly <laughs> a very very clever idea. I didn't even realize you could do that. Um but yeah, that's what the rod was. I love being able to It was its change the damn yeah. element. <laughs> so good. I, love that. I was at 1 HP and Trevor were you at 2? I was at Shame one because two. uh yeah, oh, right. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. brings you back endurance. up with one HP. Well, you were at eleven because I was able to heal you, and I wasn't able to heal Trevor because I'm only allowed to use that on a given person once per day. Mm-hmm. Wait, mm-hmm. so we were at one, one, yeah. and two. Yeah, <sighs> and I was a nine. I should have tried just a little harder, shouldn't I have? 
Well, I started Doctor, at 21. I started at full, but then you took 20 of my 21. Dr. Glass yeah. has one level of exhaustion. Esper has two. You have two levels of exhaustion? Why? I have two levels of exhaustion because drugs? I used borrowed time. What is borrowed time? You're going to find out eventually. Or is that like, uh, yeah, okay. We'll just say <laughs> it's, it's a part of Esper. It's a part of me. That was so much fun. Holy shit. I loved how at the first clue, I, I suppose a bit of the inside of the last session as well, where I, like as a player felt like lost, wasn't know, wasn't sure what to do, how to get the solution, which is great because, you know, that's how it should feel like in this situation. And slowly you're putting everything together. Uh, and I love how I freaking failed that locate creature with like the one rule, <laughs> like, come on. That I was ready to show <laughs> but, you like, here's where Harland is. And that would probably would have changed everything uh, about what you guys were doing. Just all on that, that one mm -hmm. moment. Yeah, so I'm glad I yeah. failed. Glad I failed. And I'm so annoyed at myself that from the way Eliza greeted Gregory and Adrian differently, right when we met them, I was like, Gregory's a murderer. And then I talked myself out of that from with clues and talking to them. But you were right. I don't know if I could have done anything, but I was Gregory. Like, like, believe women. Believe how that woman is slightly less polite to that one guy. It's because he's a creep. I like that it was red herring, but not really. He is a murderer and yeah. an asshole, but he's not the main murderer and asshole. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It did not matter if he murdered anyone because then everyone got murdered. Probably unless there was some relationship, but we don't know. And you're the only ones to have experienced now exactly what transpired at the Whaler Hotel on that day because nobody else who was yeah, there is gonna be survived. Is he still alive? Which is gonna be <laughs> probably not. Which is gonna be great for the authorities. Gotta prove uh, it too. So I guess my question is in the original timeline was Constantine in the ballroom so or did the or did the monster or was he at the or was he in the basement and was the first one killed by the monster so, halen survived or... so in the original timeline i think i can share this yeah uh in the original timeline constantine was in the ballroom uh he was yeah. not there because he was expired earlier um was that the entire question? Was there another part to that? Deserted. Yeah, that was, that was okay. pretty much... I just gave two yeah, options because, and you told me which one was correct. Yeah, because Nihilus found the... the, the I, I loved how Nihilus just like read a fun fact um, during his studies, and it was just like this entire plot, which totally makes sense, because he reads about shit done during his studies. and He, he read a true crime listicle. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, I read this before. I feel like it'd be a visual, like, recollection. Uh, like, you'd rec yeah. remember, like, the picture you saw, maybe, it's, if it's something you just glanced yeah. over. I totally. love that you remembered that, but you didn't remember. This is the guy that uh, Dr. Glass said she wanted the card of five minutes ago. Oh, no. <laughs> no, no, he was trying to think. Uh, that he remembered, but he was trying to think if it was something else as well. Did you catch <laughs> that Constantine Sorry, was I like, I, I don't have a card. And then you found it in his room? You know what? That makes mm -hmm. so much sense yep. because when he said that, I thought that was weird because I was like, I didn't ask I didn't expect you to have a card. I I said for you to like bring me one if you can't come. So I feel like mm -hmm. it's a little weird that Wes just said that. And now I get why. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a great 
like beginning and ending from the session as well. It felt so smooth. Love that as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Had a bit of everything. Yeah. yeah. It was that was great. Well, oh. Beatrice Thorne. <laughs> ah, my head hurts. Yes, the freaking band thorns. Yes. Kill them all. Love that. Kill them all. It hurts so much to use <laughs> to be able to talk all to all one of them the and to not talk to Maggie or Eliza. You know, Shane. But it, what I needed to do. Also, Eat the Rich is now an FBI uh, thing in the US. You can't say that. It's, I forgot the, the mm. new thing that just happened. <laughs> Like it's oh, it's inciting. Must have made the really? fucking agent who monitors me really mad in Canada. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ah, whatever. Fuck <laughs> you, eh? You can't touch me. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Diplomatic immunity. 